So we get to the airport at one o'clock and it's perfectly fine. Flight time's around four. Nice clear day. Everything's okay. Within about 20 minutes, this fog, this haze, like from the horror film, The Fog, starts to creep in. I get a bit like, ah, crap. I hope it's not going to affect the flight times. Fast forward an hour. It's now torrential rain. You can't see more than maybe about 700, 800 yards. You can barely make out the edge of the runway. (laughs) And I'm just thinking... Jesus Christ. (laughs) Just still thinking, I'd be all right. (laughs) Yeah, I'm still thinking, can we just take off, please? Can we just get above the clouds and we'll be fine? Because I hate going on holiday, as we all know. And so I just wanted to get... By the time, the worst thing is the last day, because you just want to get home, don't you? You've had your holiday. Essentially, the last day is, okay, we're just packing up. I've had all the sun I can. I've eaten all the bad food I can. If you're a drinker, you've drunk all the alcohol you can. Now you just got to get home because, you, you know, what's waiting for I you just at home? Want my bed. Just Yeah, I just want to get home now, back to my own bed. So, gets to three o'clock. We start seeing delays go up on the board. Okay, flights are delayed. My father-in-law is watching the flight come in on, uh, you know, one of the flight apps where you can watch where all the planes are in the sky, which is terrifying, by the way, when you consider... How many planes are in the sky at once? All the all the juggling balls being up in the air at the same time. So it starts to our plane starts to descend. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I'm thinking, this can't be coming into land. Like it just can't, because it's still like torrential rain, fog. I'm just oh my god, this just looks terrible. Please don't land. So it gets to sort of three thousand feet, two and a half thousand, two thousand, and we're just all going, Oh wow, can't believe it's gonna land. And then it starts to climb, two one, two two, two three. So, okay, okay, he's clearly going to do a circle, going to wait for a bit of an opening. Hopefully the weather clears. Down comes the plane. So he circles around. We're watching it circle around. Okay, Terry comes down again. 4,000, 3, 5, 3, 3, 1, 3, 2. Oh, no, he's going around again. <laughs> so he starts to go around again. And then for some reason, on the, uh, the it was clearly a, um, a glitch on the system. This plane takes a hard right, <laughs> kind of a hairpin right. <laughs> <clears throat> on the does screen. It, does a skid as a yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically handbrake turns and now he's heading towards uh, Frotaventura, which is the island nowhere near us. It's another island, essentially. Gets to Frotaventura. Even if it was near you, ultimately it's not the island that you're on. Exactly. It's another island, Will. So, lands at Frotaventura and we get the rep over and she says, yeah, it's, it's had to refuel, obviously, because it's done sort of two goes around. So it's going to refuel... And then it's going to come back, and then you should be on your way, because this should clear in a bit. But like, yeah, great, fine. Fast forward half an hour, the plane's on the way back. Uh, the weather's even worse, so it circles again. <laughs> so I'm just like, no, God. At this point, it's already an hour late, and, you know, I just want to get home. Um, and then it lands. And we all think, oh, my God, I can't believe it's landed. That's amazing. We look at the flight board, still no gate, still says delayed. So we go to the rep and say, yeah, the plane, why? She says, oh, well, what's happened is because the, the air crew have been in the air for so long, they're not allowed to fly anymore today because they've been in oh, the air man. for something like nine hours or something, like doing two laps and all that shit. So she says, we're going to get another flight crew. So it's going to be about another 45 minutes. So, you know, that's it. Okay, fine, great. Like an hour goes by. <laughs> Still nothing. And this point, we're all looking at each other like, oh, we're here all night, aren't we? So at this point, are you looking at your flight crew app and they're just doing circles at the airport <laughs> trying to find somewhere to get in? 
<laughs> no, they're, they're all just on a bed with like small Zs coming off it. Not the bloody Sims. Yeah. So, uh, so then the rep comes over and says, we can't find another flight crew. Sorry. So yeah, we're going to put you up in a hotel for the night. Now at this point, Will, I can be uh, rather a curmudgeonly fella, as you can imagine. I don't think anybody spoke to me for about an hour and 25 minutes because I must have just had the face of death. Just pure rage and anger. And it's crazy because I, I really try. After everything I've talked about, all the stuff happened in my life and all the crazy shit that's gone on, I really try to not sweat the small stuff. But when you're just looking forward to going home and you can't get home, it's just the worst. Oh, so no. I want to say my story ends there, but it doesn't. Because we get on the bus and they say to us, okay, we're going to take you to this five-star hotel. So we all think, holy shit, like, this is awesome. Get a night in a five-star hotel, that's pretty cool. Um, we're going to put some food on for you. We're going to give you, uh, you know, you've got vouchers for drinks. You're going to get a few drinks and all that kind of thing. So... That was great. We set our alarms. We get a text through the next morning. Your flight's at, um, I think it was half past 11. Great. We've got time to go have some breakfast. So uh, my wife's just gone to the bathroom. Let me tell you as well, this five-star hotel was unreal. It looked absolutely... I mean, from what we saw of it, like the, we were only there for a few hours and we slept, but it was beautiful. Anyway. See, the way you teed up the part, that part of the story... Wait. Where he said, we're going to take you to a five-star hotel. I thought it was going to be a complex of five one-star hotels. <laughs> no. Hang on. So, my wife's in the bathroom brushing her teeth. Me and my daughter are just kind of waking up because we're both kind of slower rises. And she just goes, oh, Dan, can you, can you just come here a minute? I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm like, oh, fucking hell. She's like, uh, you need to be quick about this. So I'm like, oh, fucking hell, what's going on? Okay. So I'll go over to my wife and I say, uh, yeah, what's going on? So obviously, like, the bathroom, obviously, it's around the corner. You can't see into the bathroom or anything. I say, yeah, no. yeah, what's up? She goes, what's that? So I look on the wall and there is a fucking cockroach the size <sighs> of... <sighs> Dude, like, if you go to your... If you go to your... Uh, if Anyone listen to this now, go to a cupboard. Find the biggest glass you can. It would not have fitted over this cockroach. It was humongous. <laughs> And I went, oh shit! And I'm not scared of cockroaches because so I mean, and I know it was, I know it wouldn't fit a glass because I tried to put a glass over it because I'm not I'm just not bothered by them. I'm fine. And bigger, the uh, bigger than a pint glass. We didn't have a pint glass in the room, yeah. so we had like we had like a normal size glass, but not a pint glass. But I so still bigger, bigger than your average tumbler. Oh yeah, yeah, much bigger, and I mean thick as well. Like it was, you know, it obviously been working out, kind of thing. <laughs> in the free gym Absolutely swole cockroach. <laughs> yeah. And then it became a game. Then it became a game of how do I get my daughter to brush her teeth and go to the toilet without seeing this absolute fucking behemoth on the wall? Because she would have had an absolute meltdown. She hates bugs of any kind. And I tried I've tried to make her not scared of these things. Because it's it it can get like it can get a bit crippling. You know, if you're like scared of spiders or it can kind of ruin your whole like you get that sweaty feeling and you're like, oh god, I need to catch it, but I don't want to touch it. What if it jumps off the wall onto my face? It's not gonna, but that's what you think. Mate, and it's such a learned behaviour. Like I distinctly remember being younger, maybe like ten or whatever, and not giving a flying fuck about a spider. Yeah. And then just reaching a point in my teens where like, you know, so many people around me had, you know, projected their fear of spiders, it was like, right, now I don't want anything to fucking do with these things, like no, it's so, so true. It's good. 
So oh, true. What, just while we're here, why didn't you just um, commit some sort of mild genocide on the one cockroach in your bathroom? Dude, honest to God, if I'd have like tried to kill it or something like that, I honestly don't It'd know the mess. You. Yeah, I honestly don't know the mess it would have made. I mean, honest to God, that was why. I said, Sarah, I cannot. Give a fuck though, it's a hotel. Like... I can't... Sc- no, I know, but I didn't want my daughter to... Like, <laughs> what's that on the wall, Daddy? <laughs> oh, it's just a half-splattered cockroach, George. Don't worry about that. <laughs> don't swear. He's dead now. He can't hurt you, honey. Yeah. So that just was not an option. I just didn't want to deal with half-mushed cockroach at 7 o'clock in the morning. And it was just a silly game then of me accompanying my daughter to the route to this... <laughs> to the bathroom she's like oh i forgot to blow my nose i'm like okay then let's go for a walk and i'm standing strategically like in this corner away from her and she was like where daddy you going first yeah why, why are you stood there i'm like oh, just you know just keeping your company princess that's all <laughs> just thinking oh christ please don't see this thing please i'm not in the mood for this i just want to go home and then we get to the um and then we get to the airport and my uh sister-in-law is a horrendous flyer tears the whole shebang featuring Big Timmy just does not tears. like flying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, tears. legit tears. Yeah. Like, taking off on Why? the plane, she... It's a it's a wild scene. Wild. Mate, I... Go on. Obviously, I don't know your sister-in-law, but what the fuck is she doing taking a flight? Like... I don't yeah. know. I mean, she kind of got roped... I, I think when she thinks about it, when we say, should we go on a holiday? We'll go on holiday together. She'll say, oh, yeah, sure. but not, And then think, well, that's not my problem. That's my problem in the future. I don't need to deal with that now. And then when she gets on the plane, she just thinks, oh, shit, I'm on a plane. <laughs> so she can get on nah. the plane. And then when she's on the plane, okay, then it becomes then it becomes the issue. Anyway. That's that's dumb. That's moronic. Like, just don't. <laughs> the great Dennis Bergkamp was afraid of flying. So you know what Very he did? True. He didn't fucking fly. Very true. Jesus but it was also Christ. kind of a, she also kind of got a, a cheaper deal because um, mother-in-law oh, and father-in-law paid for the flights, so she only had to pay that's, for like room and food. That's that's cruel. <laughs> that's absolutely. <laughs> you can go on this lovely holiday, but you have to fly. Yeah, like a funny, like one of those sketchy genies. that's like, yeah, I'll, I'll grant your wish, but not in the way that you want it to be granted. <laughs> I made the mistake anyway while I was sat at the airport, to mention uh, a plane crash, which is commonly referred to amongst those of us who know about plane crashes as the crash of the century, when two planes on a Canary Island, and we were on a Canary Island, literally crashed into each other, taking off. I mean, full on. And something like 580 people died as one plane literally took off into another plane. Because of fog and weather. So I said, oh, God, thank God, it's much better today. Didn't want to repeat the crash of the century, did we? <laughs> she went, what's that? So, of course, I told her, because I'm a stupid boy, cue more tears. And that was my fault. <laughs> so I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to weigh up in my mind who's the bigger idiot out of you and your sister-in-law. And, well, it's um, definitely me. Yeah, yeah, that's where I was leaning. Uh, what, what, you know, why would you say that to anyone that in an airport on a Canary Island, whether they're afraid of flying or whether they're bloody the 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 mortal reincarnation of Top Gun? Like, why? That, because I'm an idiot. That's why. Yeah, that is quite um quite short sighted of you. Yeah, 
Completely. But if someone mentioned it to me, I wouldn't care. Because I don't... That doesn't bother me. Like, I don't care about flank at all. It's just something we do. It's because you're a fucking I, knuckle dragger. Like, you don't yeah, have the ability to care about yeah, but things. I look, I look at it statistically. Like, scientifically. The odds of... Like, it's such a safe way to travel. It's ridiculously safe. People, people get in their car every day and don't think anything of it. And so many people die in car crashes every year. It's insane. Compared to flying. So it doesn't... Yeah, but not... You know, not, not everybody's a camouflage-clad robot like you are. <laughs> uh, people people put emotions and irrationalities in things, not just... Oh, well, at least you didn't get fucking uh, hung, drawn, and quartered. <laughs> that, or whatever. That would be the best fucking description of me anyone's ever said. It's so true. I, I wish you really were, like, like Data from Star Trek, but in camo instead of yellow. <laughs> oh dear oh, that's so true anyway that was my holiday and then we get back at it's... ridiculous o'clock and everyone was starving and angry and dear me to be, to be fair dad if, if that was a regular occurrence for me I think I'd put me off holidays as well that time of the week. It's the smooth recap. Avatar was on at the cinema, and Bad Romance by Lady Gaga was a hit, and Paisley was of course a bad fashion choice. All of these things happened in 2009, which was the last time the Buffalo Sabres won six straight games. They say the house always wins, but T-Mobile Arena keeps putting up elves as the Golden Knights lose to lose 4-1 to the St. Louis Blues in Mike Yo's last victory behind the blue bench. Braden Point is in trouble with the magic circle, as he doesn't take time to build up the crowd properly for his act. Evidence of this is a recent 91 second hat-trick. Two teams sitting below Vegas in the Western Conference have both sacked their bosses, and that's clearly writing on the rule wall for Edmonton as they lose 6-3 to the Golden Knights. Surprise in New York, as Tom Kuhnackle takes a sexy page from my wife's book. He scores a goal from a crazy angle, performing better, just like my wife, on his back. Following the Oilers on their West Coast road trip, Hitchcock wins his first game behind the Oilers bench in a 4-3 stunner in San Jose. He doesn't fail to uh, live up to his promises by driving four forwards into the ground, leaving them playing 19 minutes plus in the game. No other forward scraping the 14-minute mark. Christopher Columbus will be a proud owner, as Cam Atkinson is navigating the Caesar defence, as he is the sixth different player in Blue Jackets history to score at least one goal in five or more consecutive games. It's a tight race behind the National Predators, with the Western Conference having ten teams within five points of each other. Mike Hoffman is in court, sorry, holding court in the NHL, with a 16-game point streak. Rumours of an intimidation ring led by his wife scaring Hoffman's opponents are so far unfounded, and for legal reasons, untrue. The Pacific Division is doing its best to widen the gap between teams in the Western Conference, with four teams currently holding a negative goal differential in the double digits. Vancouver Canucks sitting in a playoff spot with a minus 14 GD. 
and that was your smooth recap. Okay, uh, how many starters and scratches you got this week, if any? I am. Uh, I'm bucking the trend. It's uh, it's Thanksgiving this week, Dan. So I've got four starters. Four Holy starters shit. for you. Check me out. We're going. We're going all, all starter special. All starter special. Okay, you go then. You start. Let's do rapid fire starters then. You go. Uh, I'm first starting all the spicy hot takes that are coming out about the Ken Hitchcock firing. Uh, firing? Hiring? Hiring. Aspiring. Dryering. Um, the hiring of Hitchcock in Edmonton, there are some incredible takes, and not surprisingly, all revolving around uh, the usage of Conor McDavid and what we can expect from him uh, points-wise for the rest of the season. Which I assume is not many now. <laughs> uh, I think the uh, I think I think he's leveled out. It's going to plateau. <laughs> yeah. uh, my first starter is: Did you see Artemi Panarin hiding behind the goal from uh, Nikita Zaitsev? I I read about it. To, like, um, <laughs> it was amazing. In, in like a like the opposite of an audio description, but uh, I have not seen it. <laughs> it's a shame. Yeah, he he just um, yeah, just exactly what you say he does. Like when a player hides behind the wall in football, he just hid behind the goal and then tried to jump out on him. And alas, it didn't work because if it did, I think we'd have seen it a lot more of it. But uh, no. Wait, what's your I'd, next I'd like to say it was. Oh, go on. I'd like to say it would be a trend setting, but back with uh, you know, like when Andrew Shaw scored the header, I was hoping we'd uh, <laughs> yeah. we'd see a new age of the NHL. But it seems that we're uh, we're a bit averse to change in this wonderful league. Um, my uh, my next starter is going to be defensive depth. Yeah, defensive depth. Oh God, yeah, um, great one. Never, never will I be heard again saying that you don't want to carry eight D men. I actually encourage you teams to to start dressing twelve D men and only six <laughs> forwards. I think that's the uh, the only sensible way to get around this epidemic that's sweeping the NHL. Yeah, relevant especially for a Bruins fan and you, a Stars fan, as we both seem to have. We actually had a conversation about who had the worst D injuries, and clearly I won, so that's fine. Next thing. Abs- absolutely not, mate. Absolutely not. We'll, we'll, we'll do that in a minute. That should have been top no. of the run sheet. <laughs> or should, or should we do it now? We'll do it now. <sighs> Let's not get into it. Everyone knows that we can't. We haven't got time. There's too much. There's too much. Oh, stuff here. Okay. My next starter this week, uh, tenuous link, but did you hear the Gary Anderson darts interview about the, uh, the smell <laughs> on stage? It was smelly on the stage. I thought he had shit. Sorry? I thought Wesley had farted on stage. Did he? No. He, he, well, I think he thinks you did it. You can put your finger up the arse, there'll be no smell there. I thought he had shit and I went, that's dirty. It was bad. It was bad? It was bad. Yeah. There was a stink, I thought it was him. And he started playing better, but must have needed to get some wind out. Yeah. And he thought it was you? Oh no, hands up. Swear on my kid's life. So help me God. I feel like we're fucking getting off on. You're telling, you're telling me it's too much to talk about. You're chatting about darts. No, I didn't hear about. Which one is Gary Anderson the one with the uh, mohawk? No, Gary Anderson's a Scottish, Scottish one, two-time world champion, and he was interviewed. And I'm actually going to put the interview in because it's phenomenal. And I will quickly explain to you that he was playing a, a Dutch guy, I think in Holland at some, I think at some, well, at some tournament. And the Dutch guy said that there was a smell on stage, and the two players then spent an in- spent an interview blaming each other for farting. And one of Gary Anderson's quotes was to the interviewer on television, "You could put your finger up my ass; it wouldn't smell of shit." <laughs> That's what he said, which is amazing. Newsflash: Carrie <laughs> Anderson reveals bleached anus live on stage. <laughs> 
the tenuous link is is that John Part, a Canadian, is a former world champion. So there you go. <laughs> you'd, you'd spun that line so well that I'd completely forgotten we were even doing a hockey podcast. There you go. What's your next time? So, surely, surely, you can't. No, you can't just let me. You can't force Sorry. me off this subject. Sorry. I'd imagine that you know there are plenty of farts floating around on a darts stage, you know. Like, you would think I, so, but this part. one was particularly bad. That's what it was. And even then, like, put your hands up and be like, right, I've made a living out of being a fat fuck who drinks 12 pints a night and plays darts every day. Like, yeah, I did a really stinky fart. What are you going to do about it? I know. Like, their their training centre is a pub. <laughs> like, literally. <laughs> it's almost, like, all these, like, pork scratchings and peanuts. That's, almost, that's all they smell, surely. I, I love the idea of um, Phil the Power Taylor. In like a, in like an Under Armour suit thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's some elite fitness complex. Just throwing throwing like weighted darts. <laughs> like doing left-handed throws, like backwards throws. <laughs> he's got his, like really, he's got really tiny little novelty dart boards. He's just getting them in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. What's your next one? Uh, my next starter is um, deking defenders until they can't move. Specifically relating to uh, what Elias Pettersson did to Geordie Ben this week. Where he just spun <laughs> yes, him out yeah. along the boards until Ben's just like, oh, actually, stop moving. <laughs> I'll, just, yeah. I'll just wait. This is getting ridiculous. Just, <laughs> it's just, that's, that's the sign of a true puck handler where you, just by having the puck on your stick... Defenders are afraid, more more concerned with like embarrassing themselves and what you're going to do with it. Fair enough. Uh, my last starter. Do you know my last starter is tartar sauce because it's oh, sneaky, sneaky underrated as shit. Mate, you can't say so I do tartar sauce. Oh, oh. Absolutely. There's this there's this pub in Canterbury called the Shakespeare. And they do like the old posh fish fingers. Yep. And the tartar sauce they do with that is absolutely just the one. It's it's so underrated. It's so good. God, mate, I'm going for a bit of tartar sauce. I, I had some. I had a tuna steak last night, and I thought I could go for a bit of tartar sauce. So you're, the, um, yeah, the stars are aligning there, Dan. I like it. Yeah, it's yeah. Good. There you go. And your last starter is it? Is, is it? Is it is that fucking <laughs> it? Just tartar sauce. <laughs> yeah. That's my show. Do what I was going to. That's going to lead into something else. I'm always going to have so much to do with Thomas Tatar. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Thomas Tatar is coming up later. <laughs> but that wasn't it. <laughs> that was just tartar sauce. I love it. <laughs> Can you guess he's been on holiday this week? Been smashing. You're not the fucking geezer, are you? You're at, you're at some lovely Spanish restaurant, you know, beautifully prepared Mediterranean food. <laughs> Uh, you got cotton chips, mate. <laughs> Some guys bringing over a plate of like fresh prawns and mussels and all that stuff. <laughs> Where's the tartar sauce? For fuck's sake, this is bullshit. <laughs> Mayonnaise. <laughs> um. Actually, just quickly, I'll have you know, I actually, I, I've been learning Spanish and I did have some Spanish conversations. I was very proud of myself. Are they all about tartar sauce? Yeah, I just shouted at them in the English way. Instead, it's just spoke English. It's, it's, it's one of those words that is just, it makes you bilingual because there's no Spanish word for tartar sauce. <laughs> it's true. Um, my, um, <laughs> fucking hell. my last starter is, uh, I'm, 
<laughs> I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna keep it in the city that never has peace with uh, with Vancouver, and I'm gonna start Richard Backman because because he's a fucking passing machine. Absolute <laughs> like this. This is a play. I do, I saw him wearing the number thirty two and playing that pass to Miko Koivu, which is just impeccable. Oh, is that Jacob Markstrom? What Thatcher Demko? Who uh, who's who's that? Not Richard Backman, a goalie that I thought retired three fucking seasons ago. <laughs> Clearly, he's had plenty of time to work on his passing. That's, that's, <laughs> that's what he's been that's doing. All he's, been do. he's been playing at forward down in the AHL. He's, he's a new sweeper keeper. He's a sweeper keeper. That's what he is. He's reinventing the position. <laughs> you watch, watch the watch the World Cup. Watch Manuel Neuer. It's like. God, man, I'll make a little comeback to the NHL. Why not? Yeah. Um, okay, got any scratches this week? No, no, it's, it's Thanksgiving week, Dan. We're, we're thankful, okay. and I'm thankful for for everything that we've uh, only, discussed. I've only got one. Is it pork scratchings? Is, no, it's holidays. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're fucking shit. Here's why, right? Okay, fair enough. You're five, five... If you go for a week, you get five good days off work, Okay. But it costs you over a thousand pounds, and then as soon as you get back, you're miserable. You've paid a thousand pounds to be miserable after a week. You come home, there's loads of work to do around the house because so is a shithole when you leave. You always just leave it in a massive disaster, thinking, "Ha, that's next week's problem. That's not my problem now." There's always loads of washing to do. There's always you got to go and fucking get all the food from the shops because there's nothing in the fridge. Things have gone off in the fridge because you forgot about them. You've got to sort all your kids' clothes out. Yeah, it's a massive scam. Holidays are a scam. I'm not having it. You know, I'd be uh, interested to to find out about, and I feel like this should be a, uh, a sociological study. Go on. Say, say, yeah, you spend like the average of, of a grand on a yeah. on a week week long holiday. That might be a conservative estimate estimate as well, especially if you factor in like you know entire family and all that shit. What yeah. if you spent? What if you stayed at home for that time? Still have time off work because that doesn't cost you any money. Yep. And spent all the money that you spent on a holiday doing stuff at home, like you know, going out for nice meals, but I don't know, buying shit, like you know, buying new clothes, doing doing experience days. Would you then come out of that week in a better mental state than if you'd gone on holiday? That's a great question. I would say, it's, I would say, if you rounded up to twelve hundred and fifty pounds for a decent <laughs> holiday, a decent no, because then you get two fifty a day. Because yeah, thousand pounds is a bit conservative, I think. And obviously, if you've got a kid. Yeah. It depends where you're going and what you're doing, because like, yeah, true. if you if you if you fly somewhere, that's already probably, well, you're looking at at least three hundred quid, at least probably close to four hundred if you're doing the three. Yeah, then yeah. you've got accommodation on top of that for a week. You're probably looking again three four hundred quid. Um, so that's seven hundred to start with, and that's being conservative. Then you've got spending money. So yeah, you probably are looking at twelve fifty. I think would be a good. Yeah. If so you yeah, spend two hundred and fifty pounds a day in your own city, one day to Friday, you'd be, you'd be living absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, live like a king. Maybe that's a new thing. Call it King Week or something. You just live like a king for a week. Treat yourself. But then, then there's there's that mental block, isn't there? Like you know, if you were just to go into Manchester or if I was to go into Norwich and and drop two hundred and fifty quid on a day, you'd probably spiral into a deep depression because you think you've been wasting the money. Whereas if you surround yourself with people of a different nationality and maybe the sun's out and it's like five degrees warmer than it would be at home, it's all all right. It's in the name of a holiday. I know. It's very odd. That's a psychological thing that I don't think we can get into now because A, we're underqualified and B, quite stupid. 
So, is that, are they are they not one and the same, or am I too underqualified and stupid to understand that? Yeah, that. <laughs> okay, let's move on. <clears throat> well, who's winning the cup this week? Uh, I've got to be honest, Dan. I'm uh, I'm going to be very very boring with my pick for the cup winner, and very very sensible because I'm going to go for God, the Toronto so Maple Leafs. Oh my God, so did I. No way. <laughs> and I did for the same reason. I, I, I do. What's the reason then? I've, I've, I've named the team. What's the reason? My reason is is that Nylander's not playing. Doesn't matter. Matthews isn't playing. Doesn't matter. Morgan Riley is suddenly turned into Bobby Orr for some reason. Um, they, they seem to be... Everyone seems to be performing at peak. Freddie Anderson is suddenly phenomenal. Not just decent. And they look like an actual team. Not just a bunch of people put together. And Babcock's got them all playing great. And that's it. Very boring, I'm afraid. That is um, pretty much what I said, but you said more. So there you yeah. go. Fair enough, then. Uh, who's not winning the Cup this week? Uh, Peter Urelli. <laughs> A great answer. A great answer. I've, I've, I've fucking had enough. Like, enough is enough. Like, it's just it's getting out of hand. It's getting absolutely... I'm really getting to the point now... Well, I think it's satire. It's like like Peachy already is is gonna release like a big like you know when Joaquin Phoenix like did like a rap album and stuff and um <laughs> yeah and he, I still haven't seen that that film I really want to. No, um, yeah. already is is having a Joaquin Phoenix tenure at Everton uh, Everton Edmonton Everton, Everton. Edmonton. mate we need big sound at Edmonton don't we um. And yeah, it's all just it's all just a comment on how incompetent NHL GMs are these days, and just how uh, inbred the uh, the pool of options are. He's basically saying, "Look, I can make bad decision after bad decision after bad decision, and still keep my job." In fact, he started proving it by making one of the worst decisions in recent history in the NHL by trading Tyler Sagan, and then got another job and continued to make bad decisions. And I, for one, say. Enough, Pete. You've made your point. The NHL shit. Can you just fuck off now? Fair enough. Tell you what we'll do. <clears throat> we'll do my who's not winning the cup, and then we'll come to the uh, quarter season report because I might have some oh. opinions on the Oilers when we do that. <laughs> oh, I like the sound of that. <clears throat> uh, who's not winning the cup this week? I thought it was interesting that you mentioned the um, Pacific Division and the gold differentials in the uh, Pacific because I had that as my who's not winning the cup. So I decided to look into uh, the other divisions and their goal differentials. And the Metro is actually worse. It's actually... No one in the Metro is winning the Cup. It's just one whole big mega mush of mushness. It's not worse though, is it? I thought... Because I... Sorry, not to just... Well, Grace always says I do this. I just interrupt and say no. But, um... <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I heard the goal differentials for the teams in the Metro. Four... Minus two, one, minus eight, minus six, minus eight, minus five, minus two. Ah, yeah, see, I, I, I hear you. I hear you. They're all a bit um, underwhelming. But but you're saying Vancouver's, not... Vancouver's minus 14. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, you, you, can't say, you can't say that it's, it's worse when... Well, what's, the, what's the top one? Plus four in, uh, yeah, in plus the four. Metro? Plus so four, the top yeah. one in the Pacific is... Calgary with plus six, and then the lowest is uh, is the Kings of minus twenty. That's that to me, Dan. Is worse. So no. <laughs> pick, pick another one. <laughs> okay, who's not winning the cup this week? Uh, Pete Chiarelli. 
There we go. Yeah, excellent choice. Speaking of the Teflon Don, shall we do our <laughs> quarter season report, Will? <laughs> I would like to give the Art Ross trophy to Pete Fury. Really. Um, <laughs> <laughs> mate, I want, I want, I want Pete to be uh, when uh, when Gary Bettman has finally returned to the hell from whence he came. I want Pete Fury really to set our job and just to carry on the party. Oh God, he's just failing upwards, isn't he? That's all he's doing. Like, uh, oh, well, who? I'm sure you've probably got this in the in the run sheet somewhere. But who put that tweet out that was like um, about the guy who went on Craigslist and traded uh, traded up from a paperclip to a house? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I didn't put it in. I didn't put it in. But it's genius. It's fantastic. They said Peter is doing exactly that, but the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then let's start with the Oilers because we had. Um, we're gonna have a quick look at this. Uh, quick look at the quarter season so far. I hate saying the quarter poll. I, I don't like. I've never liked that saying. Well, it's not. Uh, but as, last... as I was informed multiple times by uh, by Dave Lozo at Puck Soup, it's not the quarter poll. It's the three quarter poll. And there's a man who knows nothing about horse racing. Um, well, there we are. I now know something. Whatever. Uh, after last night's Oilers Sharks game, we are a, exactly a quarter of the season through. So oh, me and Will, they only play half gonna... a game. Yeah, we're going to look at uh, the most mundane thing of the season, uh, the most surprising team good, most surprising team bad, and the most surprising player good, most surprising player bad. And I'm going to start with my most mundane thing, which is that the Oilers are still pap, which is pretty much what we all suspected anyway. Now, See, my, my counterpoint, on. Dan, <laughs> as, I inter- as I interrupt and say no. As you interrupt and say no. Um... Is they're not that pap. They're not. They're not as pap as they. They're not. They're not kings pap. They're not knights pap. They're not. Um, no, but well, well, yeah. Blues when, pap. when you've had when you've had the first overall pick <laughs> seven seventeen times, you should be better than what they are. When you have, I mean, in, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, when you have maybe the greatest player, not even anywhere close to his prime yet. I mean, he is going to be what? I mean, maybe that maybe the best player since who? Mario, maybe. I mean, since well, I mean, it, since that this person stopped playing, it, it depends. Unbelievable. It depends. Uh, oh, you've ruined my bit. <laughs> Shall I just carry on and ignore that for a second? Yeah, yeah, because it depends okay. on uh, how long uh, Milan Lucic keeps playing because he's already north of thirty. I don't know how much further he can grow. As a player, there we go. Well done, me. <coughs> Fair enough. Yeah, when you have Conor McDavid on your team and you've had Taylor Hall on your team, and just, just, they should be so much better than they are. Well, yeah, I'm but sorry. you can't. You like as far as Pap goes, you can't. Um, yeah, the bar's got to be the same. Does it not? Like, no. Like say, if Conor McDavid played, if Conor McDavid played for the Canucks. And the others were rubbish. I wouldn't be like, "Oh yeah, they're rubbish." I mean, they haven't really got a very good team, you know. But they have Conor McDavid, and they should be a hell of a lot better than they are. Yeah, but they haven't he got is a freak. They haven't got a good team around him. Like, no, I agree. I'm not, no, it's not his fault. I'm not saying it's his fault. But at the start yeah, but of the so, season, so... we all knew we all knew they were going to struggle. And yeah, still... but they're, they're not doing. They're not doing not all that really. pap. They're not like. They're not that bad. Yeah, but they are. <laughs> they're pretty bad, but they've lost 
They're 10, 10, and 1. How are you 10, 10, and 1 when you have legitimately this generation's player? That's 500 hockey, mate. What more do you want out of life? (laughs) That's what we live for. So, yeah, apparently now you're just accepting the fact that 500 hockey with like the greatest player since maybe Mario Lemieux in your team is fine. Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) That would do, mate. I like like the symmetry. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, not a problem. To be fair, I've just noticed that they are one of uh, they're one of two two teams. No, one of four teams who have lost double digit games, and one of two teams are in a. I know they're not even in a playoff spot, so uh, ignore me. Yeah. I'm full of, uh, full of, but still, they're they're three points out of a playoff spot, mate. What more could you want? They should they should they should be they should be Toronto. They should. Same same Absol- situation. Absolutely not. High- Absolutely Are you crazy? Not. I, no, how many I'm high not crazy. picks? How many? No, Toronto have had loads of high picks. They've had low, and they've nurtured those. They've got those players, and they've got them playing together. The fa- I'm not saying okay. This, yeah, this is yeah, maybe pick, a future. Pick on. And pick. yeah, but look at the Try. players they've had. <laughs> look at the players they've. <laughs> yeah, look at the players they've had. Okay, you keep all those players in that team. I'm not okay. I'm not trying to assign blame to the players or saying. Or the coaching or anything like that. You're starting to sound as like an organiz- really. as a, Yeah. As an organisation, when you've had Taylor Hall, when you've had Conor McDavid, uh, uh, like those two players on their own should be enough to get you to a place. And that place should not be qualifying for the playoffs once. Did you do you know their record under Daryl? Is it Cates or Katz? I never know. Uh... I want to say cats. I think it's pronounced cats, but I prefer Daryl cats. Now, listen, listen to this, right? I'm gonna, okay, here's a tweet. At Rob <laughs> underscore Tychkowski. Tychkowski. very aggressive there, Mr. Masters. Sorry. Tweet. T-Y-C-H-K-O-W-S-K-I. Listen to this for a start. Yeah. Under Daryl Katz, this is what? They've had four first overall picks, haven't they? In some, how long is it? Um, no, I'm just gonna say Luchich oh. again. Uh, Nugent Hopkins, Paul McDavid, and Yakupov. Yes, <clears throat> and since how long is that? What last? Since how many 2010. Years is that? Right. Okay. Listen to this. Since Daryl Cat's been there, the Oilers have finished overall in the league: twenty-first, thirtieth, thirtieth, twenty-ninth, twenty-fourth, twenty-eighth, twenty-eighth, twenty-ninth, eighth, twenty-third. That is yeah, shambolic. So- yeah, yeah, but we're talking about this season, and currently they're sitting nineteenth, mate. That'd be the, that'd be the second best finish in, in the last ten years. If you're gonna, if you're gonna say, if you're gonna say the pat meter is is different for different teams, yeah, the the Oilers have got to be a whole lot worse to be pat. Like they're sitting pretty at the moment. Sitting the, pretty. Listen to you. Listen to you. They're top of the sheep. Listen to you. Fucking hell. Get a former Dallas coach in there, and suddenly the Oilers are, oh, they're an okay team, actually. <laughs> don't, yeah. don't, you, don't you give me that. I knew that'd push your buttons. I knew that'd push yeah. your buttons. The thing that's making me <laughs> think they're an okay, okay team is being a fan of a team that's not 10 10 and 1, but 11 8 and 2. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and the one team that's you know directly above them in, in the wildcard race in the West. So, but like. Oh yeah, they're crap. But we all knew they were going to be crap. They've still got a crap defence. They've still got a crap bottom <laughs> sorry, six. Sorry, sorry. No. Okay, I'm doing you now. No. Listen. 
You just said we all knew they were going to be crap. My most mundane thing is, of so far this season, the others are still crap. We've just had a massive discussion when you tried to disagree with me. That's the point, Will. They, we thought they were going to be crap. They're still crap. No, no, my, my point is, we all knew they were going to be crap, but they're not that crap. They're not as crap because as they, they could be, Dad. <laughs> Clearly, because they could be 31st. I'll, I'll give you this. Jesus. It's appropriate to put them in the most mundane because we're still talking about the Oilers not being in a uh, in a playoff spot. <laughs> if you'd put them a surprisingly bad team, I'd have, given, I'd have not been happy about that. I, I will concede that it is mundane to have the Oilers not in a playoff spot again. There because you go. that is mundane. Picciarelli is essentially turned... Well, no, he has. He's turned Taylor Hall and Jordan Ebley into Adam Larson and Ryan Spooner. That... Oh, and um, <laughs> throwing uh, Matt Barzell for Griffin Reinhardt as well. Oh, yes, yes. Can you can you indulge me for a second, Will? I've got a little amateur theatre here for you, if you like. Please. <laughs> I would love nothing so, more. The uh, the Ryan uh, the Ryan Strom for Ryan Spooner trade was an absolute twilight zone trade uh, because so far this season Ryan Strom eighteen games played this is at the time of the trade eighteen games played one goal one assist fourteen twenty five ice time Ryan Spooner sixteen games played one goal one assist twelve forty one ice time so I imagine it went a little bit like this. You unlock this door with the key of imagination. You've just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. Ryan Spooner walks into the locker room on his first day. Everyone's greeting him. Morning, Ryan. Hey, morning, Ryan. How you doing? He's like, morning, guys. Oh, everyone's so friendly. He gets into the dressing room, but he can't see a locker with his name on. He said to Chris Russell, oh, hi, man. Uh, where's my locker? Chris looks at him confused and says, it's, it's over there, where it's always been. Ryan goes over. It says Ryan Strom. Spooner says, no, that's not me. Chris Russell looks at him confused again. What are you talking about? You're Ryan Strome. Ryan Spooner's still confused. He goes to see new coach Ken Hitchcock. Ken's happy to see him. Oh, Ryan, good to see you. I want to talk to you about your play the last few weeks. Ken starts to play Ryan Strome highlights. And he's talking to Spooner like he's been there his whole life. Spooner doesn't get it. I'm, I'm Ryan Spooner, not Ryan Strome. You're Ken Hitchcock. We've both just got here. Ha! <laughs> Classic Stromer, laughs Hitchcock. The meeting finishes and Ryan Spooner leaves the office confused. At that moment, there's a beeping noise. Ryan Spooner wakes up in his bed. Oh my god, it was all a dream. Spooner turns over, and Ryan Strom's wife kisses him. Morning, honey. Did you have a bad dream? Spooner screams as we fade to black. <laughs> <laughs> that's the Ryan Strom, Ryan Spooner trade. I feel like that's quite a uh, breach of privacy. That you've got <laughs> such an intimate moment between Ryan Strom and his wife. <laughs> There's a couple of things I wanted to mention as well. Uh, Cam Talbot's just having a bad time. Incidentally, the only time they finished good, in, they finished eighth, was when Cam Talbot played really well. And so far this season, 888 save percentage and 331 goals against. I get it. The D in front of him is just bad. Um, Lucic at 6 million is, God, got to be in the top 10 worst contracts in the league, right? I mean, it has to be. I'd, you'd argue top five, wouldn't you? Yeah, maybe. I was being, I was being yeah. nice because he used to play for the Bruins, but yeah, <laughs> probably top five. I think especially when you consider he was the direct replacement for Taylor Hall. Oh, God. Which is just, um, just diabolical. Yeah. <clears throat> on, on a little, on a little tangent. About... Go on. Yeah. On a wee tangent. 
a wee little tangent there, boy. Okay. Before, um, in the 2013 off-season, a time before the Teflon Don changed the landscape of the NHL, the, uh, the Dallas Stars had recently lost Brad Richards as their number one centre in the market for a new number one centre. Yeah. We're looking at the, uh, the free agent market. Right. Do you know, Dan, which player they were looking at to become their new number one centre from that free agent market? Ooh. 2013. Oh, Christ. This is, this is a, um, a famous player by, uh, by no stretch of the imagination. Um, a very, very wealthy player, I believe, potentially the most wealthy player that has ever played the game. Or at least in the top five. Hmm. A Stanley Cup champion. Uh, Do you know what? I've got no idea. <clears throat> Vinny Le Cavalier is who no. the stars were, and apparently the stars were right to the death. It was going to be between Philly and Dallas, and Vinny chose Philly. And then subsequently, Jim, Jim Mill went out and got Tyler Sagan. Oh my god! On a similar note, uh, I can't remember the exact notes dates on this one, but the um, long story short is uh, Jim Neal wanted Milan Lucic, didn't get him, uh, ended up getting Radulov maybe the next season instead. So um, yeah, a couple of near misses wow. for uh, for old Jimmy. <laughs> I'll say, bloody hell. And, uh, well, yeah, one man's my... Jim Neal is another man's Peter Chiarelli. <laughs> <laughs> how, how fates can go different ways, eh? Indeed, bloody hell! I mean, Chiarelli just keeps, you know, like the fucking obviously Jack and the Beanstalk is that they trade away a donkey, but they turn out to be magic beans. Chiarelli's trading away magic beans for actual beans. Like he has magic beans, but he wants just beans, like normal beans. It's just, ah. Oh. And of course, like we have to get into, um, we'll have a quick little getting into McClellan out, Hitchcock in. It's just the last act of the Teflon Don, isn't it? We talked about um, uh, Bowman last week. You know what's? It was his last chance. Was okay. I have to just get rid of Coach Q. Um, Will your your thoughts on Ken Hitchcock? Uh, great coach, incredible tenure. Uh, second, <laughs> second or third, like second most brilliant coach. Uh, third. third, third. This, this is it because you know why? Why get the second most winningest coach in NHL history when you could have the third? Um, is the thing just quickly? Is the thing though that maybe Quemble's not going to go there because of what's going on with Chiarelli? I mean, Chiarelli's job is in question clearly because, like, how long can he keep? I mean, I keep I keep saying that, but how long can he keep being there? But maybe he will. <laughs> But, but I feel like that's the first conversation we ever had on this podcast. To an extent, <laughs> though, you might be right. Surely, surely, Joel Quenneville is gonna like outlast. If you if you had a new coach coming in, like, oh, now I'm gonna get rid of Coach Q. Like, eh, are you? Are you really? I suppose. Especially, you know, Daryl Cates is no no stranger to dipping his finger in the pie, as it were. Like, if he's nice. forking out the cash to. Uh, yeah, that's considering his fucking previous allegations. Um, <laughs> if you if you fought out the money for Q, which you'd imagine would be let's say six million a year, like he's getting in Chicago, 
if you're forking that dollar out and then you fire the Teflon Don, the Teflon Don, that takes a set of stones to fire the Teflon Don. You're not going to let the, the new geezer that comes in just get rid of Q, are you? Suppose. I suppose. So it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't really matter. I'd imagine Q didn't want to go there because he didn't want to fucking go there because it's a shit team. But, um, yeah, I think, um, I think, even, even, with McDa- be... even, with Mc... even with McDavid, though, it's, it's thinking sick. like, I get to work with Conor McDavid and I can hopefully, I can hopefully, if, you know, another GM comes, maybe, but then maybe, like, maybe he's doing that. Maybe he's just looking at it thinking, there's no fucker M going there while Chiarelli's there because he's a fucking buffoon. That is absolutely it. Like, it's yeah. one thing saying, like, oh, I've got McDavid, I've got dry oil, fantastic. But you've just got to look at Chiarelli's track record and think, Huh, how long am I going to have with David and Dry Sight? Or, like, you know what I mean? Like, and, and even so, like, I've got shit all around him at the moment. Yeah. I don't trust him to turn that shit into gold. Especially where he's come from, from being around Stan Bowman. And I'm, I'm a big advocate of what Bowman's done, as I've said multiple times. Like, yeah. he, he turned his gold back into, sure, he didn't turn it back into gold every single time, but he didn't turn it into shit. Like, yeah. he got some silver out. He got he got some silver out of it. Yeah, he slowly turned the silver, <laughs> gold and silver into bronze, into brass, and like yeah, he, he slowly eased down and still kept an element of of competitive competitiveness. Yeah. Whereas Chiarelli took an incredible roster on paper, and um, here we are. Do you think talking about um, because you said it, I'm going to say his name the same way, Daryl Cates. Why doesn't he get the same vitriol as Melnick? Do you think? Because I'm turning the co- <clears throat> unbelievable out of this. I'm turning the corner on Eugene now. There's no, he puts himself um... out there. He answers questions, and his record is clearly not as bad as Cater's with the Oilers. I mean that those finishes are shambolic, absolutely shambolic, and it's ridiculous because, like we say, we've said before, there's no really there's no punishment for being shit in the NHL. All they've done, if they'd have managed it properly, their punishments for being shit all those years would have been an absolute fire team. If they'd have kept all their players together and played, you know, playing well, would have been a team that was unbelievable. And instead, it's just been mismanaged. I've but got those finishes are terrible. Got two questions for you, Dan, about Daryl Cates. Go on. There are both maths questions. Just in case you're a gay calculator already. I won't do it. I won't cheat. Question one. How many times has Daryl Cates stood on a podium in front of a crowd of baying Oilers fans on what is supposed to be a celebration of their franchise? (laughs) Okay, yeah. And not only compared their team to a McDonald's chain but also threatened to move the team away from those loving fans. How many times has Daryl Cates done that? Let's <clears throat> clear my throat here for my answer. Uh, I'm going to guess zero. I do believe with the uh, information I have available in front of me, zero times. The second question I will ask you regarding Daryl Cates and his ownership of the Oilers. Dan, precisely... How many organs have been stolen from <laughs> Edmonton Oilers fans by Daryl Cates? Ah, you see, here's the thing. 
We don't know. He doesn't put himself himself out there. Ah, you see. Think about that. (laughs) Yeah, the Zodiac Killer didn't put himself out there, but he's still a bad guy. Wait, no, that's not the argument I'm making. Anyway, I I I think Cage does get a lot of stick. I think he does get a lot of stick. But it's just not quite as funny as the stick that Melnick gets. Like, it's not as newsworthy. It's more just like... Kate's is shit, the team's shit. Yeah, it is. All right, then. Whereas this is like just a... As, as we all know, the Senators are uh, an absolute circus in every sense. It's true. Fair enough. All right, then. That was my mundane... What's your mundane thing? <laughs> we had an awful lot to say about a mundane team. Um, my mundane team, I'm taking it to the other end of the uh, of the NHL leaderboard, the standings. Leaderboard. Ah. That's why, why don't we call it a leaderboard? call it like a, a goal-scoring leaderboard, but the teams don't have a leaderboard. They have the, the table and the standings. Standings. It's another, another question for another day. Um, my mundane team is Nashville, because they're fucking... Alright. <laughs> they... <laughs> Carry on. Whatever. It's, it's mundane, Dan. Uh, I've not got a lot to say about it. Yeah, they're pretty, 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 pretty good. Pretty good. They're, um... Five points clear at present in the West. Winnipeg have two games in hand, but that's uh, that is what it is. They're still they're leading the West. I think they're uh, they're pretty high up there. Whatever, I'm bored of them now. Like they were new blood a few seasons ago when they went to the Stanley Cup final. They were just fucking bored. Whatever. Fair enough. Wow, that was mundane. And, uh, and I'll tell I'll tell you what I'll tell you what. And another thing. Down. And another yeah. thing, Dan Masters. You know, we were yes. meant to feel this liberation of Pernell Carl Subban when he left the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> when he left the Canadians. Young Pernell was like, meant to be. Wait, wait. I didn't like the word liberation then. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't, I didn't like that. <laughs> let's call it some. Let's. No. Oh, I mean, he is what he is. He is what he is. Do you, do you ever look at yourself in the mirror and think, I'm the funniest guy I've ever met? Because I do every <laughs> single day. <laughs> <laughs> is that before you stare at yourself as you masturbate furiously oh mate absolutely absolutely I was telling myself jokes and fucking rocking one out I'm not breaking eye contact I'm not breaking eye contact I'll beat you <sighs> so, yes so so PK Subban is not playing PK Subban he's, he's not playing in Montreal Nashville and the meant to be idea better for him Exactly, yes. and it's meant to be better for his brand. We're meant to be seeing more out of PK, or we're meant to see more of his personality. Am I the only one that feels like that hasn't really happened in the way that it was advertised? Yeah, we've definitely been shortchanged on that, haven't we? I feel like especially... The only, the only thing I remember was I freaked out... I told you on the, on the show, I freaked out last year at some point when he was on an Adidas advert with a load of other yeah. sports stars like Beckham, and I was like, holy shit, that's PK! He's on television in England on an advert! And I thought, oh wow, yeah, this this moves clearly. You know, he can clearly now do these things all the time. And no, that's it. Not, not anything. That, that advert really made me think that every time I see someone that I don't recognise in a sports advert, like maybe they're a massive deal to a lot of people around the world. Yeah. But even like even on NASCAR, ice, like I feel like driver. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or like, I'd... oh my god, there's Jim Bob Trickett, seventeen-time <laughs> NASCAR champion. We're like, who the hell's that guy? It's Jim Bob, Jim Bob Trickett the third. 
actually. Uh, Jim Bob Trickett, the original, was only a two-time NASCAR champion. Um, even, even, even with his on-ice product, I felt like maybe it's just because I'm not watching enough national games, but like the whole NHL was more infatuated with PK while he's at Montreal. Now that he's in Nashville, it's just like, fucking whatever. I wonder if he's thinking, I'm just going to knuckle down. I've got like, like I've got like, like two or three years of like ace hockey in me. I'm going to knuckle down, and I want because he's been to the final. And obviously, once you get to the final and you see the other team pick up the cup, you must think, shit! Like I have to, I have to get back to this. I have to get back here. And maybe I think last season we all thought whoever's coming out of the national Winnipeg series was going to win it, and we all thought, well, yeah, whoever wins that, that's it, because they'll probably get Vegas and steamroll them, and it didn't happen again. And maybe he's just now thinking, you know what, I can do all that stuff and I'm finished. I don't need to do that now. Maybe, maybe. but I don't, like, I don't know. That wasn't like... I don't know. But uh, just, just quickly on your eyes thing, the thing that... The, not the first time, but the, the sort of... Um, memory, the sort of solidified memory of PK that I have. Like Whenever I think of PK, I think of this one moment. It was... um. Canadians Rangers I think in the Eastern Conference final in 2014 and he's I forget which game it was or whatever whether it was at the Bell Centre or uh, Madison Square but I think uh, I think the Canadians were on the power play they're passing the puck around PK is at at the top right in the centre of the blue line yeah playing hinge he's not just he's not tapping his stick on the ice he's not just got his stick up in the air waiting for the one-timer He's fucking jumping up and down. And you can just imagine that he's he's literally jumping up and down like, I want this puck. I'm going to hammer it in the back of the net. And you know what? Whoever it was passes him the puck. He hits a one-time and it goes straight to the back of the net. And that was the moment I was like, this guy's a bit of a boy, isn't he? Yeah. And that that forever is going to be like, that's the PK moment. I remember, I remember sitting around, because it was fairly recently after we'd gotten into hockey, sitting around with a few of my mates and we were like, that's fucking cool. Like, you, know, you don't get that in, in most sports. That's fucking cool. No, like calling issues, like Babe Ruth, I guess, like that kind of thing. I'm going mm. to call it before I do it and it's going there. Like, yeah, like the, the like excitement and like the, the need and the passion bubbling over to where he can't even contain it. He's jumping up and down. Oh, it's just incredible. Absolutely, gives me gives me fuzzy feelings whenever I think about it. <laughs> Quick, go, go find a mirror. <laughs> yeah, I just need a five minute break. Yeah. All right. Are we doing? Uh, what do you want to do next? Teams or players? And then good or bad first. What do you want? I mean, I've written teams, but I, I'm I'm a capable enough reader that I don't have to read things in order. Not to show oh. off. Wow, fucking Willie reading over here. Jesus, fucking big Bill reads. <clears throat> Alright, let's do teams. Good teams. Uh, I'll start. There's, I thought there's a few candidates for this. Uh, there was the Canucks, uh, Canadians, but it has to be the Sens, doesn't it? The fact the fact they've won a game means they're the, they're the most surprising team in the NHL. And not only have they won a game, they're actually, as I check the standings quickly, uh, only seven points behind the Sabres. Which, I understand seven points is a lot, but this is the Sens. And we all thought they were maybe going to be the worst team in history and the most boring team in history. And they've actually, their, uh, their decor, after bizarrely losing 
well, the franchisiest D player in history, has now got 53 points, which is the most in NHL. It's, um, it's bizarre. funny you mention all these stats and, uh, and points for the Senators, Dan. Yes. Because I, I seem to remember, but moments ago, we were discussing the Canadian team. Yes. It was less than five points out of the... Uh, out of a playoff spot. Really? We were expecting to do badly. And uh, very badly. And isn't doing very badly. And yet you seem to label them as... Um, PAP. What was it? PAP, was it? PAP. PAP. There we go. Label them as PAP. And yet you are not even the Senators in the blaze of glory. That master's explained yourself. <clears throat> I will, William Everett. Let me ask your question with a question. Because I also have a maths question for you, Will. Oh, fucking go on, son. Hit me with it. In the last... Since 2010, how many first overall picks have the Ottawa Senate has, Senators had? Since 2010? Yeah. Um... Now, bear in mind, I don't know the answer to this question, but... Uh... Are we, are we going to count next not... season when the Colorado Avalanche have the Ottawa oh, oh, exactly. Senators? They won't get one next year either. <laughs> <laughs> the answer's not four. It's, it's not four. Question. Go on, hit me. Here's another mass question. How many times have Edmonton Oilers players' wives been involved in a maybe cyberbullying campaign that's been spread around the world news-wise? I'll give you a hint. It's let me, less let, than one. Let me answer. Let me answer that question with a question. <laughs> Go on. How does that affect the on ice product and the results? Oh, is there is there a column on the NHL stats page, the most world renowned hockey stats page, the most reliable for number of cyberbullying cases recorded against this team? No, but of course it matters. Of course it matters when there's discourse in the dressing oh, room and there's players getting at each other who play on the same team, you know, on the Mis- ice. Of course Mr. it matters. Mr. Intangibles, Mr. Eye Test, Mr. Jonathan Taves is the best player that's ever played the game. <laughs> get the fuck out of here. Yeah, fucking big Danny Grit over here. That's what I am. <laughs> Dude, you can't compare the centres of the... We're comparing the centres of last... This is just the centres based on what was happening last season. It's been... An, a, Dude, you can't... What's wrong with you today? To, <laughs> I feel like to I'm explaining the most obvious things in the world to you. <laughs> to, to be fair, it's not a direct comparison, but if we can't compare the Senators to the Oilers, who the fuck can we compare the Senators to? <sighs> God knows. They are the Cleveland They're the Cleveland Browns of the NHL. They're, they're Just, two sides of the same coin, really. I guess, but the Sens being not horrendous is big news. The Oilers still being bad is just yeah they're still bad with all the stuff they have. Yeah, but in what? five years, this is this is it. Like you know, I think ten years ago, or eight years ago, let's say, when the Oilers were still bad, they were in sense position. Like, oh, the Oilers are still shit. This is interesting because it's a new thing. Just because they're having happening sort of out of sync timeline wise doesn't mean no, they're no, not the no. same. No, no, hang on, hang on. Here's another maths question for you, Will. 
how many know. times? How many times in the last <laughs> since 2010? Shall we say? Have the Edmonton Oilers been one goal away from the Stanley Cup final? <laughs> uh, since 2010, I couldn't tell you because the history books don't go about that far. Then. Oh, oh yeah, what a surprise! Nobody, yeah, what nobody surprise. knows. Nobody knows. Suddenly, suddenly, Big Bill Reed has got dyslexia. Interesting. Funny <laughs> <laughs> that. I'm just taking my glasses um, off so I can't read. I can't, yeah. I can't speak either. I'm actually uh, so you're mocking a dying man, Dan, and that is very, <laughs> very uncouth of you. It is, but I'm a knuckle jagger, so it's that's kind of what we expect. It can't be. It can't be a senator's conversation without revealing another piece of unbelievable news. Did you see the Ottawa Citizen found twenty Twitter accounts praising Eugene Melnick and criticizing? The release of the Uber video that turned out to be like fake accounts. No, I didn't do this, <laughs> but I fully believe it. <laughs> so the Ottawa Citizen. If you can find this article, I've not even read all of it. It's insane. It's a massive, massive article about how they found out that when they released the video and um, the Ottawa Senators, you know, was everyone was laughing at them and telling jokes about them and all that kind of thing suddenly loads of Twitter pages started popping up saying, oh God, you know, some overweight. It was because, you know, they didn't let the reporter, one of the reports from the Ottawa Sun fly back on their flight. Did you hear about that as well? Yeah. Yeah, I heard that. And then it was a a fake account called Wiseman Lornberg, which is unbelievable because it doesn't even spell properly. Uh, they wrote, oh, boo-hoo for some overweight sports reporters not flying first class with the team after they breached their privacy got to hell and the ottawa citizen i don't know why maybe for their brothers and sisters in the uh, in the news industry did an absolute humongous deep dive on then the people who liked these posts the person who wrote these posts well not wrote them but the you know the fake account that was that did this post themselves and and found out that there was at least twenty Twitter accounts that had all been set up to praise Melnick, to praise the team, to like criticize Uber and all this kind of stuff. It's ridiculous. This is this is proper like North Korea shit, isn't it? Yeah. You should see this article. This article says an article. It's massive. It's, I didn't read the whole thing. It's massive. I, f- I feel like I don't know what the um what the conditions are, but there's definitely a Venn diagram where the only two people in the centre are Eugene Melnick and Kim Jong-un. <laughs> Absolutely. You know it was Eugene as well setting up all these Twitter accounts, don't you? You just know it. No, he, <laughs> he, he, gave, he gave the order, but he doesn't know how to use a computer, let alone a mobile phone. <laughs> I suppose. I love the idea then, of Eugene Melnick like Immortal Joe from Mad Max. <laughs> I haven't got anywhere further to go with that idea, but I just like the idea. Yeah. Yeah, there is something there. But yeah, I can't get to it on the on the spur of the moment. But yeah, you got something. You got something. If, if anyone out there, anybody's somebody somebody's really good at Photoshop could do a great job with that. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm not. But holy shit! And then did you see the Uber driver had said about uh, he brought great shame on his family. He'd uh, had his. He said he had his. Dri- <laughs> there was an interview with him. He said he'd had his driving account deactivated, and um, yeah, he'd brought great shame to his family. And then it said. The Uber driver, a father of six. I thought, fucking hell. Like, dude, here's an idea. Maybe, maybe give uh, your wife's fanny a rest. So you don't need to be working all hours driving a fucking Uber. 
I mean, <laughs> fucking hell. Like, <laughs> that's what he was just, trying just, to do. He's, he knows he can't. Okay. He knows just he can't help himself. Says, so like, right, I'll, I'll get out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go for a drive. Fuck! I need to leave the house. <laughs> like, <laughs> I need to. I'm just too, too fucking randy. I mean, you, you, know, randy? you know, it's his penis. So he can do what he wants with it. But fucking hell, dude! Six kids. Christ, it's insane. Like, you think that's something else again? Might be breaking some slight sort of confidentiality laws here or whatever. So no, no names, no names. No um, government names, no governments. No government names. Um, okay. Working through some uh, some families this week. Last week, in fact. <laughs> working through a couple. This. Reviewing a couple of cases, as you do. I love these stories, yeah. <clears throat> Got a family. All living under the same roof. That's nice. Mum and Dad's still together. That's nice. Yep. How many kids under 18? Uh, under 18. 11? Uh, no, it's 10. But still. Oh, still. 10. Jesus. Crazy. Like, see, like, how do you even do that? Well, here's the thing. You die. So you say that, Will. Last year, um, no, two years ago, me and my dad were putting some decking down outside in my garden. And he said, oh, I've got a mate coming around who, you know, I need to give him some money for a job he's done for me. And I thought, yeah, sure, cool. He goes, oh, he's got he's got like 13 kids. I said, what? Mm. I said, sorry, I had something crazy in my head. And I thought you said he had 13 kids. He said, no, yeah, he's got 13 kids. I said, fucking hell. Okay. So I thought, well, I've got to talk to this guy. So <laughs> this guy comes around. <laughs> And I just come out with, have you really got 13 fucking kids? And he goes, <laughs> yeah. And I went, why? And he said, he said, he said, this is a God's honest truth. He said, because my wife just loves being pregnant. He said, that's the only reason. He said, she loves carrying children. And I said, well, what the fuck happens? How do you, li-? like, he's got a four bed house with 13 kids. Nice. And I said, I said, so how does it work? He said, well, look at it this way. He said, when you've got one kid, the two parents look after the one kid. 50% each, you divide. Two kids, okay, now you've got one kid each, essentially, to kind of control. When you have three kids, you start to have to say, that kid just has to wait. He said, when we got to four, we just realised, oh, well, there's nothing we can do now. We have to sort out this kid, and that's it. We just then put all our attention back onto the one kid who was having a problem, and the other three would play amongst themselves. Once you get to that point, you may as well have ten. I was like, shit, <laughs> kind of got a point. So you just got a point. Once you've had five, yeah, once you've had five or six, fuck it, I've 12. What's the difference? Fuck, fuck the kids, who cares? Because you're not, and he, like, he said as well, he said, we never spend money on clothes because they all just, like, go down. Like, you know, like you said, the, we have a good mix. So it's kind of like, it's like boy, boy, girl, boy, girl, like that. It's not like a massive, like, there's not like seven boys and then like five girls or something. So, so they bought the two school. outfits in 2005 and have never bought any clothes since. <laughs> essentially, yeah. It's genius. But he said, like, all the things you have when you, like, essentially start a family, we don't need to buy. So, like, we don't need to buy any toys. We don't need to buy, I mean, like, baby grows. You don't, we don't need any of them because it's just a baby grow. It doesn't matter if it gets, you know, we just... We've got like 20 of them. We just get washed and then they just go until the next one. Like, Mate, he's got to be swimming in child benefit as well. He's got to get like £1,300 a month just from child benefit. He must be fucking raking it in. That's mad. 13 kids over. Fuck that. Fuck. I know. That's the ends of the earth. And like, 
Surely if you love being pregnant, surprise to some, I've never been pregnant myself. Oh. But from my from my third hand experience, <laughs> well, haven't you've you? Got, uh-huh. you've, I have. You've got to have some sort of like mental health issue if you're addicted to being pregnant. Like that is not how you want to live. I don't know. I guess maybe. I mean, could you then start maybe doing surrogacy or something? You know, like help. Like, would you get the same kind of joy from helping out a couple who couldn't have a baby? Because I, I think, think that's that fucking shit, you know? Like, you know, when you think you can't have kids, it's awful when you want them. There's something about saying, I want kids. It sounds a bit like cannibalistic, yeah. you know? I know what you mean. Delicious. Anyway, on the back of on the back of that, uh, bad teams, Will. And... I was, was going to say, can I, can I say my bad team now? No, good team. I'm, I'm still going to say my good team. team. Oh, yeah. Oh, fucking hell. The show's off the rails. I, you can tell absolutely. by the way. It's a quarter pole. It's a, it's messing us up. Yeah, it is. So we were talking about Venn diagrams earlier. Excuse me for my belch, by the way. Got a uh, very underwhelming Venezuelan beer here. There you go. Um, so there's a Venn diagram, as we were discussing earlier. Eugene Melnick. Yeah. Kim Jong Un. Yeah. I'm going to invoke the Venn diagram image again between mundane and good teams. And there's only one team that can fit that Venn diagram, Dan. Do you have any idea which team that could be? Both mundane and good at the same time. Mundane and good. Hmm. It's a team that we haven't mentioned today, and we haven't we we don't mention ever. Oh, I've got it. The wild. Oh, it's the wild. It's the wild. Yes. I'm I'm surprised because I thought they were. They were going to go from mundane to bad. Yeah, that's true. But they've actually built on that crazy season that Eric Stahl had last year that, that dragged them into relevancy again, and uh, and they're pushing on. They're uh, they're third in the uh, third in the central, behind Winnipeg and Nashville, which nobody nobody was surprised. They're basically occupying the slot that many thought the St Louis Blues would occupy, and uh, yes. the vacuum that's been left by that absolute implosion of a team. Has been filled by um, you know, not the Blackhawks, not three-time Stanley Cup champions, not uh, not the Dallas Stars with uh, one of the brightest young top-line centers in the league, um, not even the Colorado Avalanche with one of the yeah arguably, arguably the second best top-line hockey. No, it was that's the best. The Minnesota Wild, who um, I have nothing to say about. Yeah, that is crazy, isn't it? They're the seventh be- Well, at this point, they're the seventh best team in the league. They're sitting seventh in the league. That's mad. Absolutely mad. And yet they're still going to flame out in uh, <laughs> the very best of the second round. <laughs> I know. That's amazing. Yeah, here's how mundane they are. I have no takes on Minnesota. Yeah, Absolutely it's surprising none, that they're seventh. That's it. <laughs> as far as I'm aware, the only game that the Wild have played this season is that one against Vancouver where... Uh, Richard Batman played that beautiful pass to Mitchell Foydo. <laughs> That's the only game I've been aware of the Wild being involved in. Yeah, Ma- Manuel Backman, as we now call him. <laughs> like, there are, you know, to, to transition it over to football, as we are legally obliged to do. Of course. There are teams that are, like, boring. Like, yeah, your Stokes, like your West Broms, your whoever's. Yeah. But you rarely get teams that are good that are that boring as well. I suppose, you know, maybe maybe Liverpool for a while were a bit like that. 
But even then, yeah, you had Stevie G, you had Torres for a bit. Even before that, you had Milan Barros. The legend that is. But <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like many have got to be the most successful and boring team that has ever walked the face of the earth because, like, I don't know anything about Mini. I know some things, but like, I don't know anything contemporary about Mini. I couldn't give less of a shit about Mini. It is bizarre. It's so bizarre. The seventh overall in the league. It's what, you know, 25% of the league gone. I, I suppose it is yeah. like if, if Stoke made the Europa League, like, you wouldn't start caring about Stoke because they're still playing Stoke football, but they just so happen to be successful at it. So, whatever. They've still got Rory Delap throwing 40 foot throw-ins. Like, I don't know. It's just... Yeah, you're right. Success does not an interesting hockey club make them. I think on the back of that, we have to let this conversation just fizzle out into the next subject. I think I'm right. So, it's, the only, it's the only appropriate way to carry things on. So... Who is your surprisingly bad team? My surprisingly bad team, not called the Pittsburgh Penguins, hey. because we're going to have to talk about them in a bit, is probably the same one you had, which is the St. Louis Blues. Mm. I probably should have gone for the Blues, but I don't have the Blues. Um, oh, really? Oh, okay. Well, okay, I'm interested now to see who you have. But yeah, uh, wow. God, I mean, I was absolutely <laughs> talking this team up to high heaven at the start of the, you know, when we did our little preview at the start of the season. I think, uh, I think almost I everybody the, was. Uh, yeah, how much I like the O'Reilly trade. David Perron came in. I was talking about Fabry on that little type uh, deal they got there <laughs> for uh, an absolute bargain bucket. And, you know, already got Tarasenko. And then with all these offensive players they've got, they just, man, they are struggling to score. Uh, I mean, just, I mean, only Ryan O'Reilly's 23 points in 19 games is having any kind of decent season. Any kind of decent season. I think the next best, I think it goes something like 19 points and then 16 and then it's just dross. They just can't do anything. And we did say, I guess we did say at the start of the season where the goaltending was going to be a problem. Um, it is, neither their goal, you know, neither the, uh, the attendees are playing well. And that meant that uh, Mike Yowl is, uh, is gone. Heck, my job should be in question right now. You know, that's, of course, that's that, that comes with the trade. Um, but I'm not going to coach to try to save my job. I'm going to coach to try to win a Stanley Cup. Craig Berube, I think as you called him, a Neanderthal, <laughs> is in. Mate, that is the most the most surprising thing that I've ever ever heard in my entire life. Craig Berube. Craig fucking Berube. Like, what, 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 what do I have to say? I thought he was done. In a similar vein to Richard, I thought Craig Berube and Richard Backman were in some, like... <laughs> Lodge in the Yukon, yeah. <laughs> Just having, having a bit of whiskey, maybe watching a bit of NHL Network, who knows. But um, both have come back from the dead as far as I'm concerned this season um, to haunt us once again. Right, I legitimately, legitimately forgot he'd coached the Flyers Mate. from like 13 to 15. I'd, I mean, I swear. Why, I... I I've forgotten about it so much. I even said to myself, "Oh, has he been in coach before?" <laughs> like, and then I went, "Oh yeah, he coached the Flyers." Oh yeah, <laughs> totally, totally forgot. There are there are two things that caught me up to speed with the history of Flyers hockey and the sort of um, culture surrounding the Philadelphia Flyers. 
That's uh, the yeah. documentary on HBO, the uh, Broad Street Bullies. Fantastic documentary yeah. if nobody's seen it. Anybody yeah, hasn't seen it, whatever. And the other thing is Craig fucking Brubay. Like, it's... <laughs> <laughs> Neanderthal was the only one I've got for it, Dan. Like, the, I, I, I don't know what... Why would you... Why would you hire him? Why? Is, why he, are... is he just... It's just, I guess, he's just a warm body in the seat until maybe Quenville goes there, maybe? <laughs> Still, no matter who's going to replace him, even if he is just a warm body, that warm body's allowed to do things. Like, yeah, that's a good point. I'd, I'd sooner see Ron Hextall just put himself behind the bench. To, to be less of a Neanderthal than Ron Hextall is for, for, <laughs> for fans of a certain age... Impressive. Yeah, that's something. It's yeah, I, very odd. I was, I wasn't, I wasn't surprised to see Mike Yo go. It was um, that's quite nice, isn't it? Um, it's something that has basically been. You know, they were drawing up the schedule. You know, we got your standard Toronto Montreal game to uh, start the season. TBD Mike Yo being fired. Uh, San Jose <laughs> LA Kings on the second of September. Whatever, right? Um, yeah. Crepe There are some some managerial names that I'm sure we're going to hear. You know, coach coaches that we're going to hear from again. Daryl Sutter, Elaine Vigneault, even Michelle Terrien. Um, Crepe Rube was not on that list. <laughs> <laughs> I guess not. Okay, who was your uh, who was your surprising bad team? Um, fortunately, almost as if it was scripted, my surprisingly bad team is Philly. <laughs> as it is, really? It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. No no word of a lie. I mean, they are um, doing pretty badly, aren't they? They're not, um, you know, considering, not that, you know, not that my takes and predictions are a good barometer for, for how the NHL season <laughs> should go, but this is a team that... I just remembered... <laughs> Penciled in to be a, a dark horse Stanley Cup favourite, yeah. And, and in my yeah. defence, in my defence, not not without reason. But to then be at the at the three quarter pole, sitting behind such juggernauts as the New York Islanders, the New York Rangers, and the Ottawa Senators, is somewhat of a bad surprise, I'd say. Dan, that's um, yeah, that's it for me. <laughs> Yeah, it is indeed. Yeah, great choice there. A great choice. Because this is it. Even if they're not going to go all the way to the final, like they should be better than this. And I'm sure when when it all comes out in the wash, when we're hitting you know game seventy five, Philly will be fine. Yeah, but maybe they won't. Maybe they won't. We're hitting that magical point, aren't we, Dan? You know what, what do they say, Frank? If you're uh, not in a eighty percent of teams in the playoff spot by Thanksgiving, remain in the playoff spot. Yeah. And at present, yeah, it's it's the, you can't you can't win the Stanley Cup in like November, but you can be out of the playoffs in November for sure. Yeah, absolutely. We're we're sitting twenty four hours away from Thanksgiving, and um, the Flyers ain't going to be in a playoff spot in twenty four hours. No, very true, very true. Uh, all right then, players. <clears throat> I'll let you start this time. Who's oh. your most surprising good player? Uh, my surprisingly good player is um. You know, maybe not a name that is a surprising name to have in a good player category. But I think he's doing much better than I, I would have expected him to. It's, uh, it's young Elia Kovalchuk. 
is uh, really? leading leading the charge for the um for the impotent Kings offense. The last last place, the LA Kings. Four, 14 points in uh what twenty twenty one twenty two roughly games. I didn't see. I didn't write it down. Probably should have. But here we are now. And yeah, I mean, like Kovey was a fantastic player. He was great while he was in the NHL. He was absolutely phenomenal while he was in the KHL. And yes, we have some track record in recent years with Radulov coming back over from the KHL and lighting up the the NHL within reason. But Kovalchuk's, what, 35, 36? He's a good deal older. I didn't necessarily have the faith that he was going to be as good as he could be. But he's he's been pleasantly surprising. And And he's playing a style that is still very visually pleasing which is nice he's not just you know, banging in shitty goals and he's not turned into like a knocker and a grinder or anything he's still playing that beautiful Russian game and I'm a fucking sucker for a Russian dad I won't lie love me <laughs> some Russian hockey this is back to Alex Radulov love again isn't it it's, this is absolutely it it's, it's, um, I can't say Radulov because he had a 70 point season last year so the closest thing I've yeah. got is, uh, is Kovalchuk fair enough um this might be a bit of a surprise to some people, but I'm picking a player from the uh, the Montreal Canadiens. And I know Max Dolby's going to be getting headlines. He's you know, hitting point streaks and doing great things at the start of the year, but Thomas oh, oh, Tatar... Hey, there he is. ...is my... Is my if you little spot my little, my little reference earlier um, with Tartar Sauce. Uh, Thomas Tatar is my surprising player. Seconds into the period. Oh, about that. That will be his first goal as a Montreal Canadian. 17 points in 21 games. A guy used literally, yeah. I know, right? Oh, Christ. Is he, you've said that, and now I'm thinking, is that right? Have I done my research properly? So now I've got to go back and check. Sure? It. I'm very sure. I'm very oh, yeah, sure. no. I, I believe you. I believe you. That was, that was purely just disbelief at that situation. Well, I'm there now. Yeah, there you go, you see. You see, Will, isn't that surprising? <laughs> That's surprising, and in a good way, some would say. In a good way, yeah. 17 points in 21 games. A player used literally as a make-weight to get Pacioretty to Vegas. Just a bizarre, bizarre shit trade in Vegas. You know, a first, a second, and a third at the deadline. Um, clearly, Vegas wanted to do something. And just thought, oh, this guy's decent. Let's get him. And didn't work yeah. out. So, Patrick goes to Vegas. Vegas aren't great, but they're getting a bit better. Um, and Thomas Tatar seems to have found a nice little a nice little home there. And, like I said, the Canadians could have been my, uh, my most surprising team. But when the Sens at least win one game, that kind of trumps them. Uh but yeah, there you go, Tom's Tatar. I like it. That's a good choice. That is a good choice. Um, should we do bad players now? Surprisingly bad players? Yeah. As we are an hour and 40 minutes into the podcast. Um, well, my... Let's not forget a lot of that is a... <laughs> it's going to be cut out. It's <laughs> because I'm wetting myself. Do you, do you want to go or should I crack on? No, you go. You're fine. My surprisingly bad player... Um, I mean, liberal use of, of the term surprisingly bad. Um, I've been surprised by the underwhelming nature of this player's debut 
to the National Hockey League, and I'm going to choose Rasmus Darlene as my surprisingly bad player. Ooh, really? That's so, a that's a hot take, Will. That is a hot take. And 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 I, I will say it's not strictly because of his play. It's because yeah, you know, it's it's partly down to his coach. He's I just not, don't like his face. I just I'm just surprised at how much I dislike his face. But like, <laughs> it, and it, it's it's going to be an un, unfair comparison. But I think a comparison that he's gonna. You know, both players are going to be able to escape for for the rest of their careers. You compare Darlene and his usage to Miro Haskinen of the wonderful Dallas Stars. Haskinen is hitting the ground running. You know, he's not putting up points, but that's not what he's here to do. He's just playing a solid defensive game and he's putting up minutes like nobody's business. Darlene's still being shot on the third pair. And as much as I would love to rally against every single NHL coach and say they don't know what they're talking about and I'd, I'd run every single team completely differently, there is still an element of, is Darlene living up to, you know, Im- not immediately living up to the hype sort of thing? When you know, when Buffalo don't exactly have a particularly good D, they don't have a particularly good decor, and if you've got someone coming in with the hype that Darlene came with, and he's still being shuttled on the third pair and not exactly, you know, I don't think he's breaking 20 minutes a night. That's a little bit... It's it's unfair because he's only an 18-year-old or 19-year-old, whatever he is now, but, but there you go. Surprised at, at Darlene this year so far. Do you think it's a case of... If you're, if you're, if you're a forward and you're the first overall pick, you can kind of be given power play minutes. They can put you out there on a five on three, get you a couple of goals maybe, and you kind of, the monkey's already off your back. If you're a young defenseman and you get ripped to pieces in like the first couple of games, is it just a massive confidence knock and you almost have to kind of gently bring them in and just in case? You know, he doesn't, you know, if you're a forward and you're in the offensive zone, and you make a, a wacky pass or like you do something a bit crazy and you lose the puck, it's pr- it, there's a chance it won't be the end of the world. You know, they've got to go all the way back down the ice and unless, you know, probably unless Conor David's got it and he can just outrun everybody, but if you're a defenseman and you are you make a mistake in your own zone, that's immediately like 10 times worse. And I wonder if they're just being over... Yeah, maybe just yeah being overly cautious to not let him get burnt on any plays or anything. Absolutely, I, I completely accept that. And it could be a case of next season, Darlene's absolutely tearing the league, you know, in two sort of thing. Yeah. I just thought, surprising start to his career. Yeah, you got a point. Uh, my most surprisingly bad player so far this season, uh, I'm going to go for James Neal. Oh, um, good choice. Good choice. I feel like, I feel like he's still on Vegas and he's, just being bad on Vegas and that's what's happening with him. <laughs> yeah. I think luckily I think luckily for him, because Calgary are, you know, second in the Pacific there I think well, I think they are at the time of this, they're the sec- they're second in Pacific. I think because they're playing okay, he's he's obviously he's been hidden a little bit, but he's got four points in twenty one games. Of course, that's, that not, that's yeah. That's not ideal. 
and I'm not checking this one again like I did with Thomas Tatar <laughs> because I checked this one three times when I read it, when I wrote this down like that can't be right four that points can't be right yeah four points for no games and that's not what you pay nearly six million a season for is it for the uh, next five years I think you'll find it most certainly is why NHL GMs pay for <laughs> especially <laughs> in free agency ones in Edmonton yeah <laughs> And the thing is, though, if they were at the bottom of the Pacific or if they were even near the bottom of the Pacific, there would be a lot of people screaming bust at this, like, massively. Four points in 21 games is horrendous. For a player who does put up points... He's a goal scorer. Always has been. Three goals, one assist. Mate. That's a a split you'd imagine. You know, more goals than assists. But, yeah, four points in, in 21 games is... Unacceptable, no matter how much you're being used for a player of James Neal's calibre. One of the uh, things we were going to say was the most surprising team bad, not called the Pittsburgh Penguins. Will, why are the Pittsburgh Penguins really rubbish? Take a look at the Penguins, Malkin. He can't handle the puck. Eichel and Sherry come the other way. Latang took away the pass, gave the goaltender to Smith the shot. Uh, it's because they haven't fired Mike Sullivan yet. They, uh, they need to <laughs> fire Mike Sullivan. Um, who who was the the guy there before him? Mike. Oh God! Why'd you do this to me? Oh, mate, it was another Mike, wasn't it? Oh my God! I cannot remember. Whoever it is, whoever it was, they need to now fire this new Mike in favour of Mike Keenan, and um, then win the cup with his. Just... Uh, is Mike Keenan dead? I almost feel like Mike Keenan's dead, but I think I might also be making that up, so uh, apologies to the Let's Keenan family. He... Yeah. Let's just pretend he's not, shall we? And it's a bonus. Yeah, sure, why, why not? Hi, Mike Keenan. <laughs> Win the cup. Um, like... Yeah, I, I, I don't know why the why the Penguins are so bad. I, I, <laughs> I honestly haven't, I haven't got anything for you, Dad. I haven't got any hot takes. I haven't got any cold takes. I haven't got... Um, I haven't got a damn thing. Like, it's, it's just one of those things. There's a famous team, Dan. Yeah. From recent years who were, who quickly fell from very close to the top of the mountain to uh, the absolute bottom of the mountain. <laughs> from from one goal away from the Stanley Cup final to, uh, <laughs> to the basement of the NHL. And perchance this might be happening to the fair team in the Steel City. Can we expect a Jim Rutherford, Chris Letang video <laughs> anytime soon? No, it'd be... What's going to happen with the team? It'd be, it'd be Jim Rutherford and um, a lot of Jamie Alexiak. <laughs> yeah, that's a better choice, yeah. Chris Letang would be onto better things. No, Chris, yeah, yeah. Chris Letang's going to be the victim of cyber abuse from uh, Patrick Hornquist. <laughs> oh, Chris misses. <laughs> While uh, while Derek Brassard and fucking uh, Jake Gensel are courting an Uber, like <laughs> talking about Mike Sullivan. Oh dear. I think, I think what this is, I think this is a genius tank, and um, we're going to see Jack Hughes as the Penguins' third line centre behind uh, behind Crosby and Malkin. I don't. Why not? I mean, we we had Jordan Stahl. Being the third line centre there before, so it's not not unprecedented, is it? Um, <laughs> I'd I'd be I'd be amazed. Thoroughly, I'd love if the Penguins didn't make the playoffs. 
Not because I particularly hate the penguins, just because I like things to be a bit weird. And like yeah, the yeah. like the like the opposite of, of the Golden Knights from last year. Just nothing goes right for the penguins at any turn. They end up like, you know, seven and seventy five or whatever. <laughs> Like Malkin, Kessel, and Crosby are playing are playing well as you'd expect them to play. Latang, Hornquist, and Gensel are doing okay. After that, it's really bad, really bad. We talked about uh, we just said about James Neal, and I think Derek Brassard's got one goal, one goal or two goals. He's not really worked out there, is he, old old Brassard? No, not at all. Matt Murray's really struggling. Eight seventy seven save percentage, four point oh eight goals against. Those aren't good numbers either, are they? No, they are not. Me, I don't know if. If he's maybe come back from his injury too soon, maybe. I don't know. Um Jack Johnson, fucking hell. I know I know plus minus is a kind of a stupid stat, but he's minus ten through through nineteen games. Which in any language is shite. <laughs> um if you like plus minus or not, there are better ways to measure players' ability, but minus ten, fucking hell. Uh yeah, it ain't good. Ain't good. It's it's not good. It's not good. It's interesting that you mentioned Murray because I feel like the Penguins went from from one extreme to the other, really having that absolute embarrassment of riches in having Flurry and Murray as their goalie tandem for a pair of years. Coincidentally, two years that they won the Stanley Cup, and ever since, like they've been having to choose between like Tristan Jarry and Casey DeSmith as their backup, which. I I wouldn't put them above you know many other backups in the league if any really I'd 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 be I'd be trying quite hard to call them serviceable backups to be honest yeah so they're really at the point where you know without Matt Murray they they goaltending shite so it's, yeah, it's, it's the moment it's with him at the moment the moment with him it's shite well you're a catch twenty two though aren't you yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The only the only sort of resolution to this I can see is to uh, is trade uh, Evgeny Malkin for Anti Ranta, really. <laughs> Malkin gets talked. Malkin is being is being sort of chatted about because he said he at some point he thought about leaving to kind of lead his own team mm. and to not be under kind of Crosby's shadow, as it were. And a guy who's already won a consmite, he's got three cups and is the 101st best player in NHL history. Yeah, he's kind of not got much to prove there. And I think, I wonder if he would, if he would consider it, or if even the Penguins would consider it. I, I would love to see an alternate history where Morgan's playing for another team. I think, you know, because there are, there are plenty of teams out there that have stars and then certain other players don't quite get the line like they deserve. But I think there is no such extreme as Evgeny Malkin playing second line minutes in Pittsburgh. No, agreed. He's he's got to be you know over the last decade he's got to be one of the top five centers in the league, and he's you know just not getting. You see the things he can do year in year out. He'll have he'll have stretches of just absolute dominance. Like if Sid goes down or whatever, you get reminded. How Morgan is one of the best players in this league. Not just one of the best players in the league, like he is genuinely. You know, not when not when you're throwing in players like all due respect, like you know, Johnny Goudreau and, and players like that sort of thing, when you're saying like 
going, well, Mika Zibanejad is one of the best players in the league. Like, no, Morgan is one of the best players in the league. Yeah, an absolute cut above. Absolutely. Absolutely. He is, he is in that elite echelon of, of you know, genuinely incredible talents. And yeah, I just I just think yeah, we haven't we haven't seen anything like it for quite some time. It'd be tricky to it would be tricky to move him now. Nine and a half million um a year, thirty two now. He'd obviously they'd want a foot you know, they would want a ransom for him, wouldn't they? Um I, I yeah, I think I think teams would line up around the block to take him. But it's that it's that problem that we always encounter is do teams have the teams that want him and the teams that can take him have what the Penguins are going to want for him. Yeah. But then saying that, if you're looking, I mean, if you're, the, if you're the Penguins and you're looking to make a move, is it, if you trade away Malkin, like you say, you're trading away one of the top top five players of the past 10 years who's still really good. He's the points leader this year. He's peace performing. It's not, you know, You'd have to get multiple pieces ready to go now that were also brilliant, and I just don't think teams, you know, I don't think teams would be willing to give that up. No, no, absolutely. Unlike, and, and teams unlike don't have the, that to give up. No, yeah, exactly. Unlike the LA Kings, who were willing to give up uh, Tanner Pearson for Carl Hagelin in a blockbuster trade. Uh, <laughs> it, well, if the answer to my next question is no. That's totally fine. Uh, any thoughts on this? Uh, I mean, it's a bit stupid for for me. For for the Kings, it is either stupidity or a preemptive admission of tanking. Yes. Like as as I said to you during the week, I think it's it's them playing their bets of well, if the se- if the season carries on going to its up, at least we can trade Carl Hagelin as a rental at the at the deadline, and it's going to be easier to move him than it is to move Tanner Pearson. Yeah, no, that's a good point. But um, yeah, apart from that, just a bit weird, and and just another one of those trades that Jim Rutherford has come away as an absolute bandit. <laughs> a bandit. Um, you want to talk about McDavid and Radulov? who uh, both scored their 100th NHL career goals this week. I, I did. It's not, a, it's not a fully formulated uh, conversation, but just uh, I found it. Great, that was I, fun. Next yeah, thing. There you go, oh, we're done. <laughs> when, when I saw that Radulov scored his 100th career goal, even even before my David did, I thought, oh, that's, that's low. And it reminded me that you know he's, he's not actually been in the league that long. He might be yeah. 32 or whatever he is now, but this is only like his sixth full season in the NHL because he went off for so long. In that time, he's uh, I think he's played 293 games, 100 goals and 173 assists, maybe. Give or take. Which are, which is great numbers. Fantastic numbers. Would you would you not agree? That's, that's, that's good. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, I do have. Yeah, I've got three hundred twenty-three games, two hundred forty-three points. Okay, well, they're close enough. So that's uh, yeah, still zero point seven five. Yeah, zero point seven five points per game. And and you still, how would you class Radulov? In, yeah, we were just talking about Malkin being a cut above. Where where would you put Radulov at, at present in the sort of tiers of players in this league? 
I would have Rajlov as one of those players that until he was on your team, you wouldn't know how good he was. I think he's sneaky. I think he's... Well, do you know what? I've always thought he was decent because I saw him play a bit because he was at the Canadians, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, look, and I thought, wow, you're actually... I'm surprised that you're coming back from the KHL after that long away. You can still play. You're still a very good player. Um, and I wondered if it was just like a one-season blip of teams, obviously... You know, when a player comes back, maybe teams don't know how to play against him, or they've not seen him enough to kind of formulate a plan. And then again, last season he was even better for the stars, and yeah, you've still you've still got it, kind of thing. And I think a lot of play, a lot of fans would be surprised at how good he was um, if he was on their team. I think he, yeah, I'm, I'm on that position. Where he's he's a very good player, sneaky good, very good. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. And then and then later that week, you've got. 21-year-old Conor McDavid scoring his 100th goal. And that's just... For me, it shows... What it made me think of is just how... How wide a net the term elite can cover. Because in some circles, you'll have Alex Radulov labelled as an elite player. I I personally would say he's an elite winger in in his NHL. Whether or not that, you know, he might not be top five, he might not be top ten, but for for a lot of teams in the league, he's probably going to slot into your first line right wing spot. And if that's not elite, then I don't know what it is. And it also hammered home just how further ahead of all of the competition Conor McDavid is. This, yeah, this fucking boy, this boy has scored a hundred goals in the NHL, and and this is this is a player that. Yeah, in 10 years, we could be looking back on players that were drafted in the same year as him who were yet to make their NHL debuts and say, Coy's a good player. I'd really like to have him on my team. You know, Coy's had a great career so far. Like, you know, there are players of that ilk. And meanwhile, Conor McDavid is out here scoring 100 goals in, in however many games he's played. It's just absolutely ridiculous. 230 games, 287 points. What a fucking one point, one point two four points per game, and it's <laughs> it's That's not. Uh, yeah, you know, the whole point of this wasn't to compare Radulov and McDavid, not by any stretch of imagination. It's just, I just thought it was an interesting snapshot on how differently careers can go for for players. That you know, it's not like Radulov is some journeyman or whatever. You know, like an unskilled, uh, a less skilled guy, shall I say who's worked his way to 100 goals. Like I said, Radulov's an incredible player. It's just interesting how yeah, how things go for, for different players. And took the decision to leave on his own as well. Yeah. It wasn't like teams didn't want him or he wouldn't have got a game here. You know, there was the whole thing with him, you know, being suspended and, well, the KHL team are going to give me more, more benefits and more money, so why wouldn't I go there and all that kind of stuff? He, you know, he wins... F- you can tell them my research here. He wins four golden sticks for being the best player. Um, so like here's a like in the KHL, three hundred ninety-one games, four hundred ninety-two points. Crazy. I mean, <laughs> that's ridiculous. And, and in the midst uh, of that, he beat a coach over the head with his own stick during a game. A golden stick, no less. <laughs> that's um, the only stick he has left. <laughs> but it's, it's it's another little. Get me a stick. It's, it's another bit of evidence. I think Alex Radulov is a fantastic testament to just how 
you know, how wrong we are to write players off early for, for you know, uh, off-ice issues or on-ice issues. Careers are plenty long in the NHL especially. Agreed. I like I like what you just said about elite. In that if you said to somebody, could you name like the top five right wingers? Or maybe even who do you think is an elite right winger? They probably wouldn't pick Alex Radulov. But you made a good point that he would fit on near every team. Well, doesn't that then make him elite? And I really like that idea. That well, yeah. If, you'd, if 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 any team would take him to be their top line right winger, then yeah, he's elite, right? And that's a, I think that's a little interesting kind of thought piece there. Yeah, is this what? is this is it. Like yeah. if yeah, say say every team in the in the league, you can't have the right winger that you have at the moment, but you can have Alex Radulov. Who's going to say no? Obviously, there are right wingers out there who are better, like you know Patrick Kane, David Pasternak, um, other Wheeler, right wingers that exist. Yeah, yeah, Blake Wheeler, Blake Wheeler, perfect example. But I don't think Alex, Alex Radulov is going to be too far down that list. I don't, I don't think. No, you're right. You're right. Fun little quick, uh, little quiz for you here. Um, they are both former CHL Players of the Year. Radulov in two thousand six. Uh, McDavid's was 2014-15 who was the CHL player of the year before Alex Radulov so in two, the year before in 2005 yeah oh <laughs> there you go throw a little question at you I wanna I wanna say go on. Sid Indeed, it was Sid. Oh, no, it was I, Sid. I, I, thought, I thought I was going to turn around and be like, no, it was uh, Chris Russell. No, you yeah, no, you fucking idiot. And then, who was the year after Radulov? So, 2007. Yes. So, that was... Who was 2007? 2006 was Eric no. Johnson. No cheating now, either. 2008 was Patrick Kane. I think. Or was he 2007? But he wouldn't have been CHL player in a year because he was with the US US team. <sighs> All right, Mr. Fucking CHL Encyclopedia. <laughs> Mr. Fucking Wikipedia just, over here. Just throw a name at me. <laughs> Bobby Ryan. No, he guess. was he was he was 2005. Um, no way, no way. I want to I want to guess again. I want to guess again. Um, okay, okay, go on, go on, go. On. Shit. Go on. I'll went, give you five seconds. Who went second five three? second pose. Bye. Oh, three, two, one. Uh, Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane. I need an answer. It is Pajama Boy himself, John Tavares. In 2007, like two years before his draft year. That's mad. <laughs> and then another one, because uh, we did it for Radulov, didn't McDavid? I'm going to start with this one first. Who was the year after McDavid won it? 2016 CHL oh, yeah, Player 15, of the Year. 15-16 season. Who was the CHL Player of the Year? Alex Debrinkat. 
No, he was a season after. It was oh, Mitch Marner. It, oh, of course it was. Of course it was. But this was the interesting one. Who was the year before McDavid? Uh, 14. So, yeah, 2013-14. This is the Sesame Street. One of those things is not like the other. Ah, so you got that cements my thought. That's got Crosby, Radulov, Tavares, Marner, McDavid, and... I'm, I'm going to do picture this as I'm a basketball player... I'm at centre court. I've, I'm not even facing the hoop. I've thrown the ball. I'm walking away with my arms up. Sam Bennett. <laughs> no! Ah, I knew it. And I've missed the rim. Bing! Off and the buzzer goes. It was uh, Anthony Manta. And Anthony Manta? I thought it would be Aaron Ekblad as the other, other choice. And he really? actually scored back to back 50 goal seasons, didn't he? There you go. What a fucking useless set of information that is I love I love games like that I love those games because you just know I, and I had to save Anthony Mantha because once like 15 what was Mitch Marner that's not as exciting once like once I revealed the shock of uh, Anthony Mantha that's it I think Anthony Mantha's a good player like he had a bit of a slow start up but he's to his career that is he's a quality player now he's one of the best that Detroit have granted that's big fish in a small pond I was going to say but... yeah that's yeah He's still doing all right, though. Oh, yeah, he's not bad. He's not bad at all. But, we're, you know, the the six names on that list, he's clearly... Well, not say clearly, but he's definitely the worst one on that list of those six. Yeah, but if he wasn't, um, you know, drowning in, excuse me, the Zika-infested water of Michigan, um, <laughs> would, <laughs> would he be a different player today? It's a fair point. If he could actually had clean drinking water and there wasn't like a blue Peter appeal for him, <laughs> would he be? Would he actually be able to skate? <laughs> oh dear, dear, dear. All right. Uh, one more quick little thing that I think we'll get into, just because it has a uh, the Tom Wilson suspension uh, reduced. Um, oh, Jesus, any angry, yeah. good thoughts on this? Will. Um, I've got a feeling at this point that um, Shyam Das, uh, the arbitrator, is a former employee uh, or somebody like that who hates the NHL because he keeps reducing suspensions for some reason. Whenever I hear the name Shyam Das, I just can't help but think of Emrak Shyamalan. That is uh, <laughs> that's the only thought I have on on this situation. Can I tell you? Can I tell you something? I did this afternoon. Go on. I typed in Shy- I typed Shyam Das into an anagram maker to see. If it- could come up with something else. What, what did you get? Because I was like, oh, nothing good. It was like dash, like dash my S or like mad miss, like mad miss hay or something. And it was just like the, the letters look too good to not be able to make a really funny word or phrase, but it doesn't make anything. It's ter- It's very annoying. Um, I just thought like, I don't know. He, he, I don't get it. I don't get it. That's, I don't. I don't get why he's overturning these suspensions, and he was fired from Major League Baseball for doing this exact thing. I was. I was going to say, compare the fact that he lost his job with MLB with the fact that he's had what I would imagine are two unfavorable arbitration hearings from the NHL standpoint. This Wilson yeah. one and the Austin Watson one. I would imagine this might be the last one that he oversees for the league. And, and fair yeah, enough, you know. Yeah, I, I can't say whether that's right before, or not. Sorry, you, we, we, no. we mentioned it before. Yeah, just it, it's fucking it's Tom Wilson's fourth suspension since September twenty seventeen. It's not like <laughs> I mean, 
It's not like it's a thing out of thin air. I the thing that's annoyed me, Dan, which I'm sure you won't be surprised about, is not so much about his suspension being reduced. That's whatever. That's much of a matchless. That's fucking give a shit about that sort of thing. It hasn't been reduced to like one game, so I'm not that irate about it. It's the nerve and the gall that Tom Wilson has to come out and say, I don't know where this reputation has come from. Have have a fucking spine, Tommy boy. Like, I do Yeah, you wonder if, if he if he lent into it a la Brad Marsh and... I don't know, it's not, it's not a good thing, but you'd almost have a bit more respect for him. You'd say, you know, if he held his hands up and was like, yeah, this is how I play the game, I'm not going to change. Like, I, you know, I, even if he campaigned as like, I think the game should be more violent or whatever, I'd almost have a bit more respect for him than if he's like, oh, just, I don't know, mate, like, I'm just trying to play some fucking hockey. Like, I don't know, did I kill someone? I, I, I don't know, mate, I'll just like, yeah, whatever. Give over, mate. Fuck off. That's just brought something back to my mind as well, which was which what pissed me off, which showed the NHL fucking as talked about before the boys' club. He's one of our guys. I don't care if he pushes a kitten through an electric fan. He's a guy in the locker room, and we love him. They were putting up fucking on Twitter free like free like you know like Tom Wilson free Willy posters. Yeah, like oh he's free, he's free. Like did you fucking see what he did to Oscar Sundquist's face? Don't be fucking all right. You can. I think all right. Privately, if you want to say he's our teammate and we fucking love him and we're great, he's back. You slap him on the back when he comes and oh Tom, it was a fucking disgrace and blah 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 for the good of the team and we're gonna support our guy. Fine. Don't be fucking putting it on Twitter because you look fucking stupid. I'm pretty sure it was TJ Oshie that did it. It might not have been, but I'm sure I saw his um, his mug on the on the tweet that I was looking at, or maybe it was on the poster. I'm not sure, but you know. Don't be fucking doing stuff like that on Twitter. Like, free Willy and... Oh, it's so glad he's back. Oh, God. It's just stupid. Just looks stupid. You know what I... um. I wonder how Oscar Sankfist views the NHLPA now. Probably not in as favourable a light as he did before he got his head caved in. And then the union that he's a part of turned his back on him to support his uh, support his aggressor. I know. We never that never gets looked at, does it, in these kinds of situations. I never seemed we never seem to hear from the person who gets hit afterwards. I mean there might be there might be an interview with him out there, I've just not seen it, but I'd love to know what he's feeling right now. I mean maybe I don't know, because maybe, you know, he just he would just come out and say you know what? Yeah, these things happen in hockey. Um, what can you do? And maybe he's just brushed off and doesn't care. And on that resoundingly <laughs> depressing note... <laughs> God, we do that a lot, don't we? Jesus. It's terrible. I think, I think we just fizzle Probably out the... and get to really sad things at the end. Of, uh, fuck this league, what's Shit. the point? Mm. We used to... It's true. It's that th- You've mentioned it before, is that... For all the good stuff that we love about hockey and the reason we love the sport, there's still those things going in the background that you go, oh, God, that's fucking... That's just gross and icky and I don't like it. Anyway, well, something that is fun is man versus coin flip. What, what more could the people want than man versus coin what flip? What could the people want than you uh, pitting your wits against a, a shiny piece of circular metal? What's the most you ever lost on a coin toss? 
Call it. Wait, which and coin are you using, Dan? Okay, all right, this is interesting. It's a 2P. Oh, nice. Solid, you, solid uh, choice. Solid choice. It's a classic. It, it, 2P is a classic. And it, it's good size, weighty. I can feel it. You know, I feel that helps. Um, Take the words right out of my in, mouth. Yeah, when I, <laughs> when I flick it in slow motion as well, it makes a good noise. So, unfortunately, we'll hide your lead cut uh, by another point. So you're down to a one-point lead. Dash like a penny so maybe to the I face. Need to, uh... <laughs> maybe I just thought you. Maybe I'll. Uh, maybe you can call for a coin change at some point if it gets really bad. <laughs> have a uh, have a review. Make sure yeah, the, uh, the coins bullshit. Get me a ten. I feel like you need to start videoing these and putting them on as uh, multimedia pieces. <laughs> for uh, evidence yeah, oh yeah absolutely <laughs> when I take you to court at the end of the season <laughs> yeah okay alright first game uh, Jets versus the aforementioned streaking Minnesota Wild streaking are they all Mika Koibu's uh, old crown jewels <laughs> I've got, he's got his wild bits out hey, hey. hey. and they're uh, on a plate from Richard back. I'm going to go for the Jets because uh, that's the only. The Jets. I'm going to go for the Jets because you kind of have to, really, don't you? They're the better team. There you go. Uh, God, I dread putting this one in, but Bruins Canadians. <sighs> Start the season, you would have given a very different answer. I've, I've, I've heard, and I feel, I still feel drawn to the Bruins, but um, the the facts are there, Dan. Yeah, the evidence is there. I've got to go for the Canadians, especially considering yeah. you're missing the mighty Kevin Miller. <laughs> uh, Preds Blues. Preds Blues. Um, now let's remember now. Let's remember now. The Blues are going to be eating big old bowls of grit for breakfast. Will from now on. Is it? And that's why I've got to go for the Blues because they're going to um, quite literally pummel the Predators. There you go. Uh, Oilers Kings. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> that's, not, that's not good. Um, oh, mate. That's, a, that, that's an ugly one. That's that an ugly one. So, Oilers under hitch versus Kings. Jesus Christ. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the Oilers only because hitch cannot dim the light that is Conor McDavid, or at least he can dim him only so much. He'll try his best, but the uh, the McJesus light shall shine brightly. <laughs> and then, uh, Duckies versus the Lightning. No, I'm not going to get sucked into it. The Lightning, obviously. Oh, damn it. <laughs> you almost had me. You almost had me. I thought yeah. about it. Ah. <sighs> Okay, there we go. Let's see what goes on next week. Uh, that's the show, folks. Thanks a lot for listening. We are on the Twitters, as always, at Dan Straight Edge. Will you are at W E V E V E R E T T. And at Two Bricks, One Puck, number two, number one. Will, any last words? I'm really fucking tired, Dan. Really tired. Um, yeah, this has been a long one. Advice for, for anyone with a young child who may have contracted a sickness bug. Fucking leave them. They'll work it out. 
It worked for Romulus and Remus, so you know. <laughs> and and to be honest, if it were not for Romulus and Remus's resilience in times of strife, would any of us be here now? That's a fantastic point. It's a fantastic point. And I think one we should leave on because it's a an uplifting message instead of just fizzling out like we like to. So yeah, we'll see you later, folks. Take care. Peace. Yeah.